Hello, and welcome to version 2.0 of the 23rd annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. It's nice to see you, Don. It's me, Patrick Grimion. I'm trying to do the, the Pacino lilt there. Ah, nice. young Pacino Lilt. I love that Pacino Lilt. Oh, you gotta, you gotta. Welcome to the Academy, everybody. I gotta say, I gotta say welcome. We are off to a, uh, let's just say it, kind of a erratic start here. But yeah. it's, you know, we, uh, like I said, 2.0, people are wondering, people are screaming in the message boards. What the hell did Don mean by that? His cadence was crazy. I know all of you are at the, 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 the forums, you're on, you know, uh, you're on the GeoCities, our GeoCities website, you know, just like, you know, leaving comments at uh, whatever. I'm trying to think of like, uh, for, like you know, like, like what forum, what were the popular forum websites of the mid 2000s? Well, I was just thinking a lot of confused people went to the Reddit, the Donald oh. forum. <laughs> Because I'm Donald too, yeah, you're and, Donald they, and they thought they were going to get hot Academy Academy talk, and it was not so good. Yeah, it was much darker talk. Yeah, and then, and then they went to like the Patrick uh, afterwards because my name's Patrick. But then it was uh, just a bunch of praise for Patrick Ewing. E- Ewing? Yeah, Ewing, Ewing, yeah. Ewing, yeah, Ewing, yeah, the the, the postman himself. No, that well, that's incorrect. That you no. may have gotten his name right, but no, the post, no. the postman is the mailman, Carl Malone. Uh, the fireman himself. Pick uh, a profession, you'll figure it out at some point. Interesting, interesting fun fact though. Patrick Ewing is in Exorcist Three. Oh, as wow. an, playing an angel. Interesting. Just thought I'd lay that. I saw that the other day on Fangoria's Twitter, and I was like reminded of that and i was like oh that's interesting what a strict because i remember when i watched exorcist 3 for the first time i was like is that patrick ewing that can't be patrick ewing in the exorcist <laughs> part three but it was wow we're uh, we're into it boy if you uh, thought the bits in the lost first version of this episode were good we're hitting you with some <laughs> oh, yeah. heavy heavy shots here so I, I got to say, uh, one thing I, I did want to mention to our audience, you know, we had a we had a bit of a flub. Yes. In our previous episode, I told Patrick about it. Patrick's already heard about it. So forgive okay. his reaction if it doesn't sound as surprising as it was the first I, time I told you better, him. This story. I, you better render your garments this time. You better render your garments. Uh, as Samuel L. Jackson once said, hold on to your uh, butts. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. holding on to it. Hold okay, on. so last episode, I told a story about my mother running mm-hmm. into Al Pacino yes. in an elevator in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Incorrect. Mon Dieu. Yeah, oh, was that Gerard Depardieu? <laughs> Depardieu! <laughs> no, I died now? Oh, I, uh, you know, forever. I, I want to cook that lion in yeah. life of pie. <laughs> I want to put him in a I, tasty I, pie. This really is, this shows our age difference that our American reference points for Gerard Depardieu, mine is my father the hero, and yours is Life of Pi. Yeah. It's either that or Asterix and Obelisk. Yeah. Uh, which I've, I've only seen the posters for, but I definitely... You, you, you didn't even know, you've never known Gerard Depardieu as mysterious French hunk. You've just oh, known no. him as, like, yeah. fallen Frenchman accused of many crimes. Like the French- oh, he has Russian citizenship now, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. This, not as your not as your Depardieu show. I just can't. I can't wait. 
wait for the Steven Seagal Gerard Depardieu collab. That has to happen at some point. Those two. It is shocking that that has not happened yet. Shocking. Where is like, where are the direct to DVD action movie production companies that are based out of like Bulgaria? Yeah, this is like money in the bank setting something yeah, you, like that. <laughs> you you make us you you get Gerard Depardieu. You get it's like you do it you do it like a, a asylum style style Expendables movie. You know you call it like the 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 unflappables or some shit. You get Gerard Depardieu. You get Steven Seagal. You get Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, yeah. You get Dennis Rodman. You get a uh, trying to think of Treat Williams. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I uh, Willis is almost there. He is. Oh God, that's so sad. Sadly, almost, Willis is almost there. He's almost. He's almost at Unflappables. But I was thinking, I got. I wanted to. Uh, I got a little bit of a pitch on your asylum. It's got to be a remake of Heat, mm-hmm. except it's Seagal and Depardieu and the De Niro Pacino roles. Oh, <laughs> Seventy-year-old men who could barely move. Both been accused of heinous crimes. Um, just a lot of farting. I feel like there's just gonna be a lot of farting. Much, much like heat, it will still be three hours long. <laughs> oh, okay. So back to my apology. We got really. We're we're on it. We're going uh, for okay, it. We gotta... Um, my apology. She did not see. It was not Al Pacino in that elevator in Las Vegas. Mm. It was Tony Bennett, classic crooner. Tony Bennett. And it was actually, my mom was very adamant. I did not see him in an elevator in Las Vegas. That was Tony Bennett. I saw Al Pacino in a restaurant in New York City. And my friend Colleen, if she listens to your show, will be upset that you confused that. And so I'm sorry, Colleen, we don't mean to uh, ruffle feathers here on the academy academy much like patrick once apologized to bill nighy i'm apologizing to my mom and our friend colleen for that flub yep we i have the the seri- ceremonial apology hair shirt that dodd must wear i'm gonna, mm-hmm. gonna get, i wore it for two weeks after uh you know i got the the, the great bill nighy debacle yeah okay pa- pa- pass it over to me i'm gonna pass it yeah, passing it over through the zoom, <laughs> through the zoom through the magic of zoom <laughs> I we put have, it on. It smells of spaghetti. Yep, we have a last action. Uh, if you get Zoom Premium, you can you can do last action hero stuff where you can like put your hand through the uh, the movie screen and like. Uh, I mean, I know people. I mean, I know people have been saying it, but Zoom really is the hero of the pandemic, and they just keep continue to come up with new additions. Yeah, I love the little to wacky, a solid program. Yeah, you can, yeah, little wacky hats you can put on. I can like defy physics by putting my hand through it. It's great stuff. Would you say this episode is would you describe it as psychedelic? Yeah, we're already broken <laughs> no, we're, men. We're broken men. We're already we're going to be broken by the end. We have, we haven't even gotten into the heavy <laughs> drug use film yet. <laughs> we're, we're already broken men. Okay, we have to introduce our guest, our wonderful Who guest. is who is um not here? Oh, oh no! <laughs> uh, to, to fill in our listeners, as we uh, will be jumping ahead of time momentarily, but yeah. just to fill you in, we've had a rock'em sock'em recording session right now with yeah. lots of ins and outs, lots of drama on the tech side of the Academy oh, Academy. Our, our wonderful guest has been in and out yep. of the uh, recording, but when they get here, promise you, I will be introducing them in just nary a moment. 
yes, we're the apologies out there. The Nahi incident. I'm wearing this. I'm wearing the apology shirt now yeah. until another mistake is made. And if the Academy Academy can guarantee anything to our listeners, more mistakes will be made. I think oh. that that's pretty clear, isn't it, Patrick? Oh yeah, I'll definitely uh, think that like. Uh... I don't know, like the third lead in Heat is Bill Nighy. I guess I'd be Bill Kilmer. I'll, I'll yes. be like, a, I gotta give that award to Bill Nighy. He's so great. I just jumped through the screen. I'm like, you're goddamn right, it's Val Kilmer. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he bleached his hair. I like. Oh, I, like I can't. Oh, I cannot wait to talk Kilmer with you, Patrick. I am uh, so excited about that episode. I am a huge. I love Val Kilmer. Kilmer. I'm a huge Val Kilmer fan. I'm, we'll talk. We'll talk. Hey. This is not that episode. We're talking to we're talking two other Pacino films today. Mm-hmm. We got to get to our guest because be he, I, I think he's dying to get in and talk Kilmer with us, or maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. But um, our guest today is a guy who we've wanted to have on since the very beginning of our podcast. A good friend of ours, uh, kind of Im- improv prince and impresario yes of los angeles the co-host of the you need to see it podcast ladies and gentlemen cozy orlin hey welcome oh, to the academy it's good to be here yeah you need to see this a film podcast about convincing people to watch other movies Woo. um it's wonderful to be here a long time listener first time guester <laughs> oh <laughs> very exciting nice all of the episodes in uh, and i'm in the middle of the the most recent one respect uh, nice thank yeah thank you cozy for being a friend and perhaps more importantly one of our listeners <laughs> of course I'm just joking yeah. just joking <laughs> because you, you and a belgian fellow oh yeah we email <laughs> <laughs> we're very good friends too we're on a different improv team <laughs> uh, yeah that does that would not of all people I know, you would be the most likely to actually for all of that sentence to be true. I think so, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially right now when I'm doing so much online improv, I'm meeting all these people from all over the world. Uh, but yeah, I like when I started listening to you guys podcast, I, it was because I, I'm on an improv team with both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm kind of like the, the producer of it. So I had this thing of just like, I want to hear what their dynamic is. I sort of feel <laughs> responsible in some way. I want to make <laughs> I want to if I, if their dynamic changes or in a good way, I have to be aware of it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to all of this. <laughs> you um, is that is that your polite way of asking for an executive producer credit? Oh my god, I'll take show. it all. Yes, please. <laughs> how much money I got to throw around? <laughs> oh my gosh, Cozy's like quietly starting the next Earwolf. Ah. I can't help myself. It's terrible. I have to just produce everything. <laughs> You're some sort, some kind of sonic uh, Norman Lear. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Except uh, with no social relevance whatsoever. Accurate. Oh, oh. I will say I definitely did want to talk about Val Kilmer because boy, do I love Top Secret and Real Science. Right? Oh my God. Or was it genius? Real, Real genius. genius. Thank you. Yes. Very close oh. though. Yeah, 80s movies with Val Kilmer, the beautiful thing. Uh, do you think, okay, here's a question. Last Kilmer uh, question. Uh, do you think Val Kilmer has enough movies for a bracket? I think we can do a Val Kilmer bracket in theory. I, I do. I like it's, oh gosh, it's so weird how this must be like a cosmic thing. We were talking about how this episode was kind of psychedelic. <laughs> uh, I was listening and I have been the last week for some reason. I started listening to the 
doors again, like pretty regularly, almost oh. every day over the last week. Oh. She's like for the first time since probably like high school. Oh, yeah. Because like obviously they are like the baby's first classic rock band. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, brain squirming like a toad and whatnot. Yeah. It's like fascinating. It's like, man, he's really deep when you're in high school. And then you're like, uh, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> and that's in the hall sketch about being a Doris fan. Oh, yeah. I love it to death. But I've been really enjoying them. And of course, Val Kilmer was Jim Morrison in the Doors movie, oh, yeah. which, would be in, which would be in our bracket. And uh, frankly, I would think a contender Ooh. in uh, for Kilmer's top four. Regardless of what you think of the Doors, which is a very silly movie. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll talk more about it in our, when we talk about Oliver Stone later in this season. But um, he's terrific in it from what i remember again i don't think i've seen that movie since high school either <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but... uh, we don't have to like work because we, we we all know the role that wins is obviously dieter von kunt and mcgruber that's the yeah. one that yeah that's one the... yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. was very fun in that although kiss kiss bang bang's so good he's oh, really good in that so and obviously uh tombstone he's a, oh, he, a oh, yeah. monumental performance into he's great I, I, listeners yeah. if you're dying if you're dying for and this is we could give me a perfectly good excuse to read his recent autobiography i'll be your huck i am your huckleberry Wait, uh, is that, that sounds like that's real no it's very real he that's it perfect. came out last year and i've been dying to read it because i bet uh, it's awesome that oh, is yeah. the most mark twain move ever yeah that's perfect. yeah oh yeah his weird mark twain shit <laughs> oh he's awesome he's what so a, weird he's so specific yeah uh he's like the coolest uh because he's no longer you know i think bell kilmer would agree he's no longer like part of like the the current pantheon of a-list celebrities but like i feel like he was there for a little bit and he's probably well, one of the most interesting he played ones. he played batman that's true, that's true. <laughs> yeah he was a batman yeah he like, was one of the Batman. You know, in a, in a, you know, in a real movie. I mean, it was not a joke. <laughs> like it was a real movie. I mean, he was there. He um notorious troublemaker on set. Oh yeah. Like famous, a uh, uh, famous trouble. But drama, uh, drama, drama. Yeah. I was a freak for Willow as a child. Yeah. I fucking love Willow. Oh man, that's the uh, the I'll famous story me. on Island of Doctor Moreau. After he finished his last scene, John Frankenheimer he yelled, "Cut! Print!" Get that son of a bitch off my set. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you do when you get that that um <laughs> when you get that reputation in Hollywood. You go make a, a like a one man Mark Twain thing. <laughs> yeah, I, just a fast a fascinating guy. We'll, we'll talk more about Val when we get to heat. Yeah. This is of course the season dedicated to a Val Kilmer's um, Heat co star Al Pacino. Oh, yeah. And much like last season where we told our Streep stories, you know, everyone wants to know kind of where you get your start mm-hmm. with these actors. Where First, you know, because Al Pacino is he's, you know, he, like we said, he's turning 81 this year. He's been around a lot longer than any of us. Mm-hmm. So he, these movies, these two today were well into history by the time we were all born. Um, so, Cozy, what is your Al to a biography like what is your first uh encounters with pacino films memories of pacino just um yeah just general pacino story well first of all great pun well done oh thank you <laughs> absolutely thank you. uh one of the things i enjoyed most about the first season was of course the meryl street puns yes 
you you might not be a pun fan but uh Mm -hmm. i i i'm about to become a father so it's part of the uh contract that i get into those kind of jokes oh well uh i might be able to i might be able to help you out on that actually okay because the one thing i felt about the first season was there were a lot of missed opportunities for even more meryl street puns oh yes and and what i wanted to do is help you all both out with the second season a little bit by uh pre-writing a huge amount of Al Pacino puns or Al Pancinos to make sure that you don't miss any of them. Yeah, that, uh, we are overjoyed. The okay. smiles on this Zoom are a mile wide. I am so glad. And feel free to use any of these as names for future <laughs> games this season if you haven't figured out all of the games yet. Uh, we, of course, have Pal Pacino, which would, of course, be Al Pacino's co-star or friend in something, or if you could be his friend. We could oh, have, that's like, good. A gal, a that's gal that's really good. Oh, it's going to get better. We got Al Puccino, Ooh. the uh, adorable dog that he would co-star with, also an <laughs> Al Puccino. Might, might come up today. I yeah. hope it does. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dog content. We have our first Al Puccino, yes. <laughs> we also, of course, have, uh, if you would be having drinks with him, what would your Al Pacino be? <laughs> uh, oh, that's good. Thank you. Or maybe possibly just an Al Cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think this one might be a little more for, for Patrick, but it's really for everybody. The All Pacino. <laughs> Whatever the All Pacino is. Uh, and of course, for me, Alpa Emo, definitely. Big uh, emo music. Oh, you know, we had a game in mind, but boy, what a good game that would be. What would be the name? Because we did... Um... We did out. We did uh, Meryl Streep's ska band. Oh yeah! Last season, uh, Mamma Mia or uh, Ska Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Yes. Oh my God! Pick <laughs> it up. Pick it up. So good. But uh, let's let's keep in mind some thoughts for uh, as the episode goes on about emo or screamo al pacino related bands. I do, oh, I do yeah, love the absolutely. idea. I do love the idea of that game. Uh, the al Alpa Emo being like, uh, what would uh, what would an American football song sound like if it was covered by Al Pacino? Yes. Oh, I would love that. It would be more Screamo, right? Yeah. It'd be Alpa Screamo. Alpa Screamo. And of okay. course, there's also famed indie rock band Alpa Wino. <laughs> oh, God. Or possibly music legend Brian Alpa Eno. Uh, uh, now it's hurting me. <laughs> it's going to get worse. We also have Alf Pacino. We got Al Pacino, which is at some point you'll what you'll be saying after this. Of course, Corral Pacino, if he's in a Western. <laughs> oh, course, wow. Like, if he's ever fighting someone, you have Al Punch Chino. Or Al Pacino's if he's fight, punching in the nose. <laughs> I wrote so many of these. We have Al Pacino, which of course pairs well with Al Pacino. Uh-huh. Alcohol Pacino, we're bringing it back to ale. We got Al Pacino. He's kind of older now, you know. Yeah. Maybe travel with him to the Alps Pacino. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Patrick, this one is for you. Emperor Al Pacino. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm the emperor now. <laughs> Luke, he's your father. <laughs> of course, some of these like some of these work really well. There's like an Al Pacino, you know, very clean, or maybe an Al Pacino. He got a little bit of soul patch. Or Don, I know you were saying that your that your mother did not meet him in Vegas. Maybe she was going to Al Perino and gambling in an Al Pacino. That that's where my mistake was. Or possibly flying to England to meet the Al Pacino. <laughs> oh, in the news right now too. Right, so topical. So uh, topical. <laughs> but when Al is upset, you of course have Al. Amino, he's not very, he's not very nice. He's very mean. You have Al Poncino, Scalpacino. 
possibly decal Pacino, oil Pacino, oil Ali Pacino. Pacino. You don't want to meet him there. Uh, Al Pants Pacinos. Al <laughs> Pacino, just making sure your hands are okay. And then, of course, Al Pacino. Well, in, 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 COVID, in COVID times, you really need to make sure you're consistently using Al Pacino. So important. So important. <laughs> I just so, love the, the uh, if uh, any listener who's listening, please, please Photoshop an image of Al Pacino wearing chinos. Please yes. give oh, me. I want to see it. I want to see Al Pacino wearing those huge baggy pants. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hit the end of my list with Al Pacinko, like Pacinko machines. But I looked. <laughs> I took a lot of Al Pacino notes uh, for this. I'm very prepared. <laughs> Belo- Bel- beloved Price is Right game, Al Pacinko. Yes. Oh, that's where I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, what was my Pacino history? Oh, asking? wow. <laughs> Boy, Cozy, coming in more prepared than Patrick and I ever have. <laughs> ever. <laughs> that's what happens when you pull on another movie co-host podcast. Co-host yeah, he came a- in with a full scale, like rock solid put together bit. Oh, 34, 34 puns. <laughs> nice. Terrible person. You should get, yeah. We should get one of those t-shirts. Yeah, a t-shirt that just says all of them. Oh, oh my yeah, God, like in Helvetica. Yeah. <laughs> that would be beautiful. If you could find a font, a font that you can also use as a Pacino pun. Ooh, there's got to be so there's many. There's got to be. Palantino, right? I think that's one. <laughs> yeah, Palantino. Sounds like, yeah. That sounds like a font. Oh. Yeah. I half remember it. <laughs> I just realized I have to really quickly. I have to take the hair shirt from you, from you, Don, because I okay. just, I made another I made another error. Oh no! I I confused ch- chinos for jinkos. Oh, oh no! no. I made the ultimate error. They are both they, they both kind of work as a pun. Yeah, yeah, Alpa jinkos. Because I wanted I wanted <laughs> Alpa jinkos. When you said, said Alpa I imagined. Uh, Imagine Al Pacino wearing Jinkos. Hey, it's Don in 1994. I'm heading to middle school. Hand me my Stussy t-shirt and my Al Pajacos. <laughs> Giant zippers. Yeah. It has just like a, well, I guess like a little like a little like um patch with Al Pacino on it, like Pacino approved. Yeah, yeah. Al Pacino, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Al Pacino pissing on uh, Robert De Niro's <laughs> filmography like Calvin and Hobbes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> love it. I love that little, I love pissing. What a scamp. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. This is what I learn about you during this. <laughs> now, if, we were, if we were more famous and people were just doing like random polls of uh, uh, lines spoken on this show. This is going to be Patrick's. Says, I love pissing. <laughs> ah, but now That's it's you too. Now it's you too. Now we both. Oh, yeah. We're both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're trapped with me in this, in the piss butt. Oh, no. <laughs> piss purgatory. Alpiscatory. Al oh, oh, my God. Uh, we are, oh. We're broken men already. We're already we, broken. Perfect. This is what I was we, hoping. We haven't. We barely. Talked about anything we're supposed to talk about. It's true. Okay. All right. Pacino history. Alto biography. Back to the original pun. Yes. My alto biography before all the (laughs) Al Pacinos. So I I think I was the perfect choice to kick off the the Pacino bracket because I've only seen two Pacino movies in my entire life. And those are the ones we're talking about tonight. Absolutely amazing. 
man. <laughs> so perfect. Wild. Wild. Uh, and uh, when I was a kid, though, I saw tons of Scarface parodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw people on TV shows yelling Attica and a lot of things I didn't understand. I was like, these must be parodies. But the right, first right. thing that I remember seeing about Al Pacino is seeing the critic make fun of him going hoo-ha in every movie. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. Were you two critic fans? I was a big critic head. Um, so good. I remember I, like uh with the in uh they do like a parody of Scent of a Woman with a werewolf, right? If I remember correctly. Like Scent was of that a, werewolf. a combination of that and Jack Nicholson's Wolf? Oh maybe. That might be it. That might be right. I feel Previ- like... previous podcast topic. Uh, also, yeah, bringing back pissing. Yeah, I know, pissing on James Spader's <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Um, now it's it, it's interesting to me. Uh, going into this season, you know, you saying that you hadn't seen these were your first two Pacino films, cozy. Yeah. Patrick saying he hadn't seen on our last episode, he hadn't seen many of these movies, and I really, really took it for granted that um, these were all really like known movies that kind of were so seep, <laughs> seeped into culture that like. Like I like I said, this is probably the like twenty fifth to thirtieth time I've seen Dog Day Afternoon. Oh wow, yeah, I've heard. And, yeah, and I just assumed I every. I guess I assumed everyone kind of <laughs> had that. Like oddly enough, like that these that these were just like classic films that, but. Well, apparently they are classic it, films that's the but, thing you know, I just it's just a lot of classic films but I, i'm just curious like maybe i overestimated pacino's like cultural place mm. in modern culture like be and i know the sample size is pretty small we've only talked <laughs> to three people so far but it just it is interesting to me because i did think like you know what Patrick told me in the last episode, you know, he hadn't seen Heat, he hadn't seen Godfather 2, hadn't seen like all of these movies that I've like, yeah. oh, these are kind of like my like foundational movies. <laughs> and I was like, I thought everybody like and so it's like it, when we when we get back into like regular life and just start like talking to people, I'm definitely like not going to like be as almost arrogant, I think, <laughs> about like say like oh well i mean i as you know of course in serpico this happened <laughs> Just like, <laughs> as we well, as you all know as we all know because we've all seen serpico yeah it's weird it's like you guys weren't like freshman in college and like really really dying and rented a vhs copy of serpico because you had to see it <laughs> like i did <laughs> like, oh, well i mean that's one of my favorite things to do on on my podcast actually is when i haven't heard of a movie i just go i don't know that one never saw it and I just like have the other host explain what the movie is because I missed a huge amount of classics. I have very weird specific taste. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome, by the way. Oh, totally. Yeah, like yeah. we were Patrick and I have we 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 would be lying if we said we didn't like exchange texts. Like said, what is Cozy gonna think? I yeah. love about that. these movies. Like we're, we're so curious. Yeah, it's such a good call. Yeah, like I I grew up on so many like coming of age movies and eighties Comedy Central comedies. Oh, like man. those are my weird foundation. Was like spoofs and like Top Secret is a movie I've seen like at least twenty times. Like, I love Top Secret so much. I hadn't seen it in, like, 20 years, and I was laughing before the jokes happened. Which is always the best in oh, comedy so films, nice. where you, like, you anticipated it. it is so funny. Oh, completely. Oh, it's beautiful. 
but yeah, I so I have like a very weird like arty indie background, and mm. I missed a lot of like uh, crime movies and action movies. I just never saw them. So I was glad to finally see these because I was like, oh, Dog Day Afternoon. I've heard that name. I should have seen <laughs> it by now. Let's try it out. Yeah. Well, I, I can't, we, we can't wait mm-hmm. to hear what you think. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see if like this holds true as we continue <laughs> to record this show these with this season of Pacino. Like, like I think like Meryl Streep has, like, I don't know if Pacino actually has like that, like, late career movie like devil wears prada was for streep that kind of like brought her back into like the co- and gave her like a new popularity among a younger generation yeah he, you know so. it's so funny i'm looking at, i'm looking at his like because it's like yeah it's like 88 minutes two for the money righteous kill uh he doesn't have yeah he doesn't have that like yeah he doesn't have that like supporting role mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah what was the last time he was nominated for an oscar well he got nominated for irishman Oh, but that was a, that was the that was yeah. after quite a extended. I mean, yeah. Just <laughs> looking at it here, I think it goes. Jeez, it might go back to even like Donnie Brosk. I think he was nominated for Brosco, but it might go all the way back to that. And the thing too is, I will say that like uh, Irishman, I love Irishman. It's not the type of movie that like the kids are clamoring. You know, <laughs> no, I mean like both of the two movies that he was in recently that kind of are the two classier like big movies that he did big performances in are once upon a time in Hollywood and the Irishman. Yeah. Oh, Both right. two movies that I like, you know, I've oh, made it pretty, too. pretty clear that how much I love, uh, but you know, not the hippest yeah, movies. He hasn't had a Mamma Mia moment either. No. Yeah. <laughs> <You're>, if, <laughs> oh, Mia. trademark that by the way, cozy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Will do. You're right. You're... Though, he has, I mean, would you say the closest thing he's had is Dunkachino, is... which is, to a Mamma Mia moment, which is only one scene from one movie, but it's become kind of this weird it's like internet the, it, thing. It's, it's a just meme, like yeah. it's like both a Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia moment and the literal opposite, like a polar opposite moment. Where yeah, making it cool with the kids. It was in that was in Jack and Jill, right? It was like the yeah. opposite of being cool with the kids. Yeah, a movie that we have I have not seen yet, but uh, we will be covering. Oh, oh yeah. wow! Oh, good. So, yeah. Oh, wanna, so excited! Can't wait to ruin so. my brain on that bad boy. Just I want to just uh, treat treat my brain like uh, just treat my brain like a toilet. Can't wait yep. to just, <laughs> just just put my brain in the, the Jack and Chill toilet. A Sandler touch. Oh, <laughs> Although Sandler's a good boy. That's not. That's that's just like a. I mean, he's my, come back around. Sure. Yeah, back Sa- around. Sandler is Academy Academy approved. He's good, yeah, yeah, of course. He just had a big period where no one wanted to talk about him. Yeah, but now he's back, he's, and, we're, yeah, and we like, love him. We love you him. You know again. what? He had he had the the um, the street moment. He had the comeback. He took. He yeah, he. I guess. Comeback. Yeah, he he. Because I, I have a feeling like the people we will get to the panic in Needle Park momentarily. <laughs> oh, I just want to get that clear. But <laughs> I do think actually I agree one hundred percent with you because because I think Uncut Gems is that movie that has brought him like because i have a feeling like the kids because I'm, I'm fucking old now um <laughs> are don't have his first two cds memorized like i do mm-hmm. right sure and, or like tragedy because they or need bi- to yes they should they're really fucking funny <laughs> but um or didn't see like don't didn't like wear out their vhs copies of billy madison and happy gilmore mm-hmm. and he was just kind of this weird maybe old guy 
who made bad <laughs> Netflix movies. And yeah. then he makes Uncut Gems and the, with the Safties who are as cool as it gets in kind of the film world. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. Plus, um, like, the, the stand-up special that he did, people liked a lot. Really good. I really liked it, too. Very... Yeah, Paul, Paul Thomas like Anderson a... directed parts of it. Oh, wow. I did not yeah. know that, but that's amazing. Wow. That's really cool. And then, um, um Hubie when... Halloween was an absolute delight. For as, when... stupid, for as stupid as it was, it was a total delight. When when did uh, the Apatow movie... Uh, when did Funny People come out? Oh, that was about almost 10 years ago now, I think. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and Uncut Gems was so much more recent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that seems like that was the one. I, I will say, I love funny people. He's terrific. And yeah, he's like, terrific and funny yeah, people. Well, he did like, a great job. Yeah, yeah. That is definitely a movie where, like, I wish, like, they just, like, had the first two thirds. Like, they ended it with, like. I know. Yeah, I mean, God bless like, Eric Bana, but we didn't need that, yeah, se- that se- sequence whole, in San Francisco. It's like yeah. a whole other movie tacked on. Yes. Although he yeah. is good. I like Eric Bana is very funny in it. Yeah. We need more Eric Bana. Come back, Banna. <laughs> I think I I genuinely think that is about the third or fourth time we have wanted we have begged for an Eric Banna comeback on our show. I haven't <laughs> seen enough stuff from him. All I know is that he was in one of the Hulks. He was a Hulk, the Ang Lee one, which is my favorite, actually. Ooh, yeah, contra- there's a t- controversial statement. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> this shows how like this delineates our age, done, but like I begged my dad to see that, take me to that movie. Um, the Ang Lee uh, Hulk? Yeah, I begged my dad. I was like, please, dad. And it was like, because it was like a school night, too. So it was like, you know. That, that does, our- that absolutely delineates our age because that movie <laughs> came out when I was an adult. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, it just was the movie that came out. <laughs> I think I, was- I went to Hollywood Video and rented it myself. <laughs> like, was that the one that was edited like a music video? That was the one that was like did the cart the the actual like comic panels to yeah, move the around. Panels, like, yeah, the panels. Yeah, yeah, that felt very music video to me. Was it was very, very like groovy, like choice back when you could make weird decisions in comic yeah. book movies, like oh. because there were no rules. <laughs> so it was like, ah, oh, man, no, maybe try it like this. Okay, that didn't work, but yeah, it was it was a worthy choice. Yeah, I know. And then they perfected it, and they just became boring. <laughs> I will say that uh, for me, that's part of my bad dad trilogy, which is like the three movies I saw with my dad by myself that were all bad. So it was Ang Lee's <laughs> The Hulk, a date movie. I begged my father to take me to date movie. Oh, no. nice. Oh, <laughs> and I wanted to leave. at one point I wanted to leave. And my dad was like, we paid for the ticket. We have to watch. Like, oh, <laughs> that's a that is a super dad move. I would do that. I would 100 percent do that. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. And then uh, and then The Ringer. The Johnny oh, Knoxville the Johnny Knoxville Olympics. Guaranteed that movie was pitched in 1988. <laughs> sat on sat on the shelf for another like 15 years. They're like, yeah, Johnny Knoxville's kind of hot right yeah. now. We can this bring is, him back. This. this is originally uh, a Joe Piscopo vehicle, yeah, but I guess no, totally. It 100 percent was like Ed, Eddie Murphy vehicle oh. like that they try yeah. to get him to do after the golden child or something like that i love it when you see movies that are obviously like that because there's one 80s reference in them and you're like no <laughs> they <laughs> missed was one. Like the yeah. amazing thing that the recent film the little things that with denzel washington that came out yeah. recently that script was written in like 1992 mm, and that's... it was and it kind of hung around and so it's now a period piece they kept it set in the <laughs> 90s but the director made a really good point about it is that detective movies in the era of cell phones and surveillance suck. Mm, of course. So it's so much more fun to do a detective movie when you don't have the technology, which he's 100% right about. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. truth. 
but yeah, uh but uh yeah and he, he just uh, the, the just the, the academy academy bad dad challenge watch uh the hulk <laughs> the ringer and date movie back to back to back send us your tweets at the academy tell us how how brain ruined you are send us photos of your ruined brain like, you know like how like brains they have like if they have cte they look noticeably different show them. yeah like yeah just send us those uh send us those uh pictures pre and post get a uh, the official bad dad academy academy merit badge <laughs> to put on your uh cub scout vest <laughs> <laughs> we should uh we should make a cut we should make uh stickers in a vet oh that that will differentiate us from the other podcasts is it t-shirts hell no, no. we're gonna send you badges <laughs> yeah <it's> stupid like... <laughs> stupid to make you look even stupider than when you wear a podcast t-shirt <laughs> i feel like send... after you get that badge you get the noose tying badge. <laughs> oh, i i do love that though like Wear like a comedy bang bang t-shirt like no it's 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 hey nong man it's i'll i'll explain it to you like <laughs> try to oh no amazing. i'm telling you it's funny i it's, it's just you gotta listen to like about 25 episodes yeah <laughs> become uh, heavily invested in this podcast that lasts yeah like listen to like 67 hours worth of content yeah. no god and god bless them that's awesome what they've built i do not mean that as any oh no i love i love <laughs> like, from it's awesome old- yeah. The oldest episodes with Andy Daly to the most recent episodes with Carl Tart. I love that. I love. I thought, Aww, I thought you were going to say from the first episode with Andy Daly to the most recent episode with Andy <laughs> Daly. <laughs> well, uh, no yes. comment. No comment. No comment. Oh my god! Have you guys seen him do improv? He's so good at improv. He's, he's oh. an incredibly funny person. He, the Beautiful. review was one of the finest. Oh, art shows. Art. Like truly, yeah. Went from being silly to being. One of the most horrifying, amazing pieces of work. That's how my favorite shows always go. Like Moral Oral went the same way where by season three, when they knew they were canceled, that third season is fucking surreal. And it plays out like a play. And they're like, no one was watching this. It's re- yeah, it's really. It, it, <laughs> what, a, what a concept. Uh, <laughs> let creative people do their thing. Right. And then you <laughs> get surprised by it. And it turns out it's great and amazing turn- and dark. <laughs> And then it gets canceled, and all your friends are like, "You was really good, actually." <laughs> yeah, a little thing called a. Oh, also, okay, we have to talk about Panic and Needle Park. Yes. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're done. This is the last thing. It's the last thing. I promise. Yesterday, uh, some of the Sweet Dalai Lama people were hanging out. That's the improv team we're all on. Uh, SDL. Uh, we have a show called Crisis Party on Twitch. But uh, we brought up yeah. when you brought up review. I was telling. I told Cozy that uh, James Urbaniak is on Cameo. Guess how much he is. Guess how much he is on Cameo. 50 bucks. $35. $35. Fucking steal. A fucking st- I can't so wait cool. to just I'm going to just start what? sending people like weird James Urbaniak. The um the Cameo prices are odd to say the <laughs> least. Like cuz we Jen and I during quarantine actually not even started a little before quarantine. She got into kind of being like, "Hey, look who's on uh, exp- we've we've bought a few We'll Love just put that. it. We have bought a few. She got me for my birthday a couple years ago. She got me Tony Todd from <gasps> Candyman, who, who sent a very nice, like very positive, uplifting message. It was really, really wonderful. She got me um a guy that she's actually hired <laughs> three or four times now. <laughs> John Kassir, who voices the Crypt Keeper Ooh, on uh, yeah. Tales from the Crypt, to come on and do. Speaking of p- great puns, yes, stuff. Oh, the master. 
Uh, and then she got me Corey Feldman, which was a, <laughs> a surreal experience. And of course, our baby announcement video, we hired Bruce Dern. That was beautiful. Yeah. Which, oh. He was, boy, what a pro. Oh, what a king. No what question. a pro. Absolute pro. Um, but yeah, if it, you know, there it's weird the difference of prices with all of these people. Like, she's, yeah. you yeah, know, I just never know. It, oh, totally. Boy, they're so fast. And, the weirdest one, like it was Corey Feldman's birthday. It's like the day after mine. Mm, ah. And he recorded it on his own birthday. Oh, wow. That is dedication. Uh, or kind of depressing. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Where's the line? As yeah. people, as people in Los Angeles, we do not know where that line is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Hey, if you want to get the rest of the speaking about wrestling earlier, Sting is only five hundred dollars. <laughs> the wrestler sting only James Urbaniak 35 the wrestler sting a half a grand but how <sighs> much to have or, uh, James Urbaniak do a sting impression $35 Can, how, how much how much would it cost to get him a joint sting the wrestler and sting the singer oh I love impersonation it. so he's in sting the wrestler's makeup but he's singing every breath you take or message in a bottle or something yeah, like, like that every uh, every suplex you take yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'll never forget um uh, one more one more digression weird digression story um at one of the um mtv vma awards puff daddy did that i'll be missing you you know yeah the, the song for biggie and um i was not in the room and sting the singer came on to sing with him mm. on there and my dad yelled sting is on with puff daddy and as i mentioned earlier my brother and i were huge wrestling fans oh. and we we're like what is sting the wrestler doing on with puff daddy we raced in the room to discover what like what surreal thing might be happening at the vmas no it was sting from the police it was oh, very, what a what a it was what disappointing a it was yeah. disappointing yeah. oh how crushing Oh, what a <laughs> what a series! Patrick and I talked about doing a letterboxed to talk about to note everything that we reference. Oh well, I mean, yeah. well, for for you need to see this for my for my movie podcast. We used to have a list of all the references and put it into the liner notes, and at some point we're like, "This is big. It's too big. We can't anymore." Yeah, yeah. Th- we are way out of control already on this episode. We'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah, like my my co-host on the podcast, she is so good at corralling, and I am very bad at it. So, like, th- you got the wrong one for this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I we like our we like our little uh, we like our t- our side uh, sides. We like our yeah, sides. we do. I, I'm oh, like so best. close to like even. I have a. Uh, I'm not going to say it because we're not going to do another digression. I have the power. <laughs> I want to show you guys this thing of canned garlic I got at a country <laughs> store in Texas, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to show you the canned garlic. The canned garlic. Oh, no, only if it's con garlic. That's the only. It has to be movie related. <laughs> oh, and speaking of which, this film. Oh, what a transition. This yes. film. 1971 played the Cannes Film Festival and the, and the leading actress won Best Actress oh, at nice. the Cannes Film Festival. And of course, we're getting into it, folks. We're yes. finally there. <laughs> 1971's <laughs> The Panic in Needle Park. Here are those statistics. Directed by Jerry Schatzberg. Screenplay by Joan Didion and Gre- John Gregory Dunn, of all people, based on the uh, fiction, uh, kind of half and half 
uh, reportage slash uh, novel by James Mills. This movie was released July 13th, 1971, was budgeted at uh, $1.6 million. I am not entirely certain what it made at the box office. I think, like, wonderfully enough, um, they didn't report that kind of bullshit back in 1971. <laughs> uh, this has an 85% approval rating on uh, Rotten Tomato. Mm. Uh, Roger Ebert said, the movie lives and moves. It's not filled with quick cutting or gimmicky editing, but Jerry Schatzberg's direction is so confident that we cover the ground effortlessly. We meet the characters. We get to know the world. Especially, we get to know this relationship between Bobby and Helen. And thank God the filmmakers were tasteful enough not to kill them off at the end, because that's so fashionable these days. And I'll start it off, I actually think they should have killed one of them. Yeah, I think that would have not? been more dramatically interesting. Yeah, it would have made sense. Yeah. It's it's almost sadder that they didn't because then you know they gotta keep down spiraling. Yeah, that yeah. this is that this is just going to continue. And yeah. oh, I yeah, jump in like the last shot. Oh my god, of this movie is so cool <laughs> and good. Like, just like so weighty, so sad. Oh, it, yeah. Like we might as well just tell y'all this is it bleak ass movie oh yeah this, oh, is, yeah. this is and i, oh, I may have said who uh i may have said who uh in the beginning but this is not a who uh al pacino <laughs> no. he's not like going, he's not going around i'm on heroin like he's not like <laughs> he's not this not that type of pacino yeah <laughs> so we may, may better say like the movie is basically about this young couple who live in this uh, who live in new york in this and hang out in this um with then, then nicknamed for Sherman Square, which was on it's in the Upper West Side near 72nd and Broadway, and it was nicknamed Needle Park based upon the kind of rampant drug use and drug users that were hanging around. Um, mm. his co star, uh, Pacino plays Bobby, uh, young addict and small hustler, and his co star is Kitty Wynn, who plays Helen, who, um, at the beginning just seems kind of like a aimless trying to find herself. Type young person like a lot of young people yeah but like and, even before that when she was on the subway in that first shot where she's like condensed and claustrophobic mm-hmm. just like just hanging to that pole it's so interesting to see who she is in that moment oh good yeah definitely and i, I mean you know one thing you know about this movie that i noticed is that yes we're covering al pacino and here but this is this movie is definitely helen's story yes mm. Like she has like kind of the arc, and I I I thought Kitty Wynn's performance was really moving and really sad, and I wanted the so much for her the character, and it was just so like just to see her get and the way that to see her kind of just continue to go down. Yeah, yeah, and like really the moment where you see her commit to things and those other moments where you see her even more commit in various other ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. And the movie does so really, I really love kind of the jagged jumps in mm. the story. Like right. basically we jump ahead. Like, oh, wait, she's like fully invested in prostitution now. And yeah. we don't see her do oh. the first trick. She just is there. And it, mm. it but it's a natural progression because we sadly, I think, know this story yeah i was also kind of bummed that like at the beginning she was an artist and then you kind of never see her do any art things ever again yeah <laughs> yeah like she just yeah. conforms her identity to whoever she's with 
and then it's just like instead of art i'm gonna do heroin <laughs> yeah well, it's like yeah she conforms to bobby but then she basically conforms to heroin right oh gosh yeah. and um i read the uh i read the book this week mm. the panic oh, nice. in needle park and um boy <laughs> the book is, the book goes to even darker places which I is really, and um you know when he catches up with them in the book they don't really have a kind of cinematic arc when he meets them they're both fully in it hmm. as drug addicts and right. she's a oh, lot wow. more she's kind of the alpha in the book oh wow and she's far more like dangerous and manipulative oh i'm so sad that they took that away from her in the movie oh, well no. i think I, I wonder like how much of that i feel like is this a movie? Uh, I, I, you know, I was trying to find, and I, uh, I wonder how much I feel. It feels like a lot of this movie is improvisational, mm-hmm. and it has a bit of that energy, like right, like or like it feels like Al Pacino. I don't know, or like Al Pacino and Kitty Wynn bring a lot of themselves into the performance, and I feel like Al Pacino is a very like, um, I don't know, like it's just like I, I could see like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, but as I- long as he didn't improvise those outdated racial slurs. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Uh, and, enough, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I mean, I think that that's, you know, it's, well, it's, it's also something with these kind of characters that we're going to see Al Pacino kind of right. play, you know, he lives. And I think this actually, this is something we were just talking about briefly cozy before mm. uh, you jumped on this kind of idea that maybe Al Pacino isn't as hip with, <laughs> uh, with today's audiences because he plays characters who really live in the gray. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And I think it's like I as a viewer, I'm more interested. I'm more interested in that kind of challenge. Mm. But I know. But I also know that like that isn't satisfying to other people. It all depends on the type of gray, too. That's the thing. Some grays can live a little easier than others these days. And I also think, too, that kind of gets back to this is Helen's story, Mm. not Bobby's like Bobby is. He's charismatic, but at the at the end of the day, he's an incredibly bad influence. Oh my um, god! Yeah, I was so like the moment they introduced him, and he like immediately feels like this predatory weasel. He's on her like so fast. He's lying to everybody from like minute one, bragging about jail, saying he's gonna kick guys' asses. I was like, I don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's interesting because they are playing him, and it's even more so in the book that he's um he's he's a loser. Oh, big time. Yeah, and oh, he's trying, loser. but he's trying to like put on the air. It's like, it's so depressing. He says, oh, I'm going to get into it. It's such a yeah. classic thing. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to become the dealer here. And it's just like, uh, oh, you're going to suck at this, Bobby. Like, <laughs> yeah. Go Please. get help. Go get help with you and Helen. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys and, think of the, um, the, the gum chewing in the beginning? It's a big, like, young actor choice. That's like, what I was business. thinking, too. I was going to say, like, when you brought up, like, that it feels like such a, like, uh, yeah, like, it's an interesting, and I couldn't tell if that was, like, an affectation because of that he brought to himself as an actor, like, trying to do a big actor choice, or if that's, like, uh, to your point, the whole, like, that's part of his loser aspect, like, him, like, like the character Bobby trying to seem like, oh, I'm chewing gum. I'm nonchalant. I don't give a shit. Like he's uh, like a tough. He's a yeah, 70s yeah, tough. Yeah. Yeah. But he's yeah. I mean, the sad thing is he's not. No, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Total, so total wimp. And I but I think the interesting thing about this performance from Al is, you know, I think one of his like defining things. And I think one of the great things that he brings to the table is his his energy. Yes. He's one of the like most live wire actors 
that it that film has ever seen. And I think in our next film, it really like pays off mm-hmm. his 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 energy and his like intensity. Yes. In this one, because he's playing a guy in this space in life, he actually seems like a little too lively. He's like me. jittery though. I was like, he's kind of drug lively. Mm-hmm. I, I felt I have felt like an anxiety from him, and I'm like, I get where this is coming from. Yeah, I mean, he's always kind of has like more of a. We'll talk about it on heat too, but when we get there, but like a coke energy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I felt it so fast. Also, probably worth mentioning, this is his first leading role, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah, boy, I was just thinking about that too. He was around 31. 32 and imagine like that just doesn't happen these days that all that often of an actor making their debut in their 30s yeah i'm really shocked by that i thought he was younger i'm very surprised oh wow yeah because he he was born in 1940 oh oh wow but he's uh because he was you know also a different time in that like everyone was coming from like actor's studio on the stage Hmm. it wasn't like and everyone had like this incredible level of training Hmm. you know whether it was him or streep or de niro down the line that entire era that these days i mean almost every one of the actors showed up when they were like 17 or something like that and they just don't have and i think that it shows the kind of difference between pacino's method acting and like say like i i I don't have a great like (laughs) i don't have a great example like well the example i was going to use is a guy who's been um he's gotten in some trouble (laughs) lately oh oh no uh which is (laughs) worse uh, things than method acting right (laughs) yeah which is uh shia labeouf oh god Uh, who i you know even before all the um stuff came out yeah i thought he he was walking the walk of this method acting thing, but I don't think it was like, it all seemed like it was like a show rather oh, than nice. like, like Al Pacino in both these films in particular, um, in a moment we'll get there, but in Dog Day Afternoon, he's alive and in it so completely. I was gonna say like, I think like he, uh, like he's, I think part of, to your point, like uh, we were talking about this earlier uh, before the recording, like like Pacino like grew up in this like this is what you said he grew up in like like in the Bronx right and yeah and like he, you said himself like he had friends like this he knows this like stuff I think more than like a Shia LaBeouf who mm. you know you know if he was trying to we were doing, I guess like Honey Boy works for him or whatever uh, because like that's his life but like. Yeah, I couldn't see. Yeah, I think this like he 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 has the he brings that texture to his performances because he's lived a life. Yeah, I mean he's mm. not he's not like he's certainly not like a lot of today's actors coming up. Like, I and mean, not to say that Shadow the Buff did, but um, kind of the son or daughter of rich or famous people yeah. or mm. that kind of thing. I mean, Al Pacino was brought up in the Bronx with a you know Italian immigrant family you know not much didn't didn't go to college you know barely made it through high school you know he's a re- he he's got this very real quality yeah, about right. him you he- believe him in the in this world like you were saying patrick in yeah. a way that like it's not playing dress up like it would be i think if you <laughs> filmed this film if you made panic in needle park today with one of the younger actors today i think it would feel a little more like dress up 
Oh yeah, or like yeah, or even like if you took an actor like I think like there's so few actors that can pull off like like Robert Redford couldn't do what Pacino does in this movie. No, no, very different actors. Yeah, when I say that with love to Redford, Redford's a good yeah. boy. But, but I mean, he's a he's a waspy hunk. Ugh. I mean, at the end of the day, that I mean, is like, true. He could have know, done the Midnight Cowboy. He could have done the John Boyd and Midnight Cowboy. That would he could have. I don't think he would have. <laughs> no. But, well, this is not a. We could do a Robert Redford bracket, but this is not a Robert Redford uh, <laughs> show. Or I, I, or I could show you my garlic. Yeah, I just watched actually uh, Barefoot in the Park, not Needle Park, different park. Oh. Good, um, no one should be barefoot in Needle Park. No, <laughs> no, put on shoes if you're but, in Needle Park. Um, <laughs> but that's that's. That's Robert Redford. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, you know, handsome, kind of befuddled, mm. kind of like American, you know, golden boy. Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. And Al Pacino is kind of the kid in the back of the class. Yeah. Who is like, he's really smart and clever, but I don't know what he's up to and he might pull a knife. Yes. Right. Well, he has he's got like, a scheme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has big, like, uh, like Aladdin energy. Like, he's like a. <laughs> Like, I can see him, like, you know, stealing a crust of bread mm-hmm. and, like, the guards are trying to get him. Yeah, he's, he's like he's... a heroin Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> he's also got high-level high, high level, um, short guy energy, yeah, too. Sure. Yeah. Like, because he, he, he is short. You see him against, like, Raul Julia, who's a tall guy. Oh, and we man. should mention uh, some of the... Uh, some of the other actors in the film, too. Raul Julia shows up a couple of times through. And we mentioned earlier, man, young Raul Julia, smoke show. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't realize hunk. that was him until after the movie was done. I was like, "Wait, where? Find me, Adam's Family Guy. Find me." And yeah. it was that guy. It was great. And I really liked um, Alan Vint, who played the cop. Oh, Hot. so good. I really like him in general. He's in um, Making County Line. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. No. Uh, kind of one of those great um, driving through a small town in the south. Yeah, and discovering the cops are crazy oh, kind of uh, kind of movies. He, you know? he has like to me, he seemed like if like if uh, if Michael Pollard and Bonnie and Clyde had like a brother that was like sane, like a, a chiller, more understandable, a little more handsome yeah. version. Yeah, yeah I, I, I liked just, him. Yeah, he was just very committed in it. You know, yeah. he just seemed so like grounded and level. Yeah, it, it, kind of hard to believe that he was a New York cop. Yeah, <laughs> he, a little but, weird. But in the right. book, the, in the book, the character is kind of written as like a preppy all-American guy. Oh. Actually, frankly, like Redford, almost. Yeah. Um, but I liked him. He was kind of a surprising choice, mm-hmm. but interesting. And I was going to mention in the book too. Bobby does get shot in that scene at the when he gets arrested. Oh wow! In the book, he doesn't die, but he gets shot. I yeah, was, you can't kill him. You got to just shoot him and let and leave him alive. Yeah. That's yeah, such a perfect choice. But I, I you know, I this was my first time seeing this movie actually. Uh and Oh nice. I thought it was I think I thought it was really it's I think it's really good, but it's so kind of like both downbeat and low key. Yeah. That um oh, completely. It doesn't have like like some of these other Pacinos that are to come, including the movie we're going to do next, um, have this kind of like heightened, like this feels like an important movie. Yes. Kind of feel. Mm. And Panic is so like, Panic seems like an indie movie today. Almost. I could see that. I could see and, that. You know, and I, I'm, I'm sure that there's been variations. I mean, there's always going to be a young lover's 
with substance problems movie for sure. almost every generation. Like, I'm sure there's been one for almost every generation. Well, yeah, but this it, one felt like such a morality tale, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think it almost feels a little literary because of its mm-hmm. writers too. It's, it's very like oddly poetic to me too. And I think it's kind of based on the style it's designed and it just, yeah, it's just kind of a sad morality table fa- fable. <laughs> a morality table. I'm on board. For a, mor- it. a morality table. Boy, <laughs> that's I'm raising my kids at the morality table. <laughs> Everyone should. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, uh, I think it's definitely a very worthwhile film. I, it, amazingly enough, it's 50 years old and it feels fresh to me. Yeah, I get that. It felt it felt very 70s to me in like a very 70s drug movie kind of New York way. But I love like I haven't been to New York in like uh, over a little over a decade. And it made me miss New York because it felt like it got it right. Mm-hmm. You know, just the action of it all felt like even from that first scene on the on the subway, I was like, I remember the claustrophobia of every part of New York. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, I should go back. <laughs> I think I thought you hit on something really nicely there too with the introduction to Helen on that subway. Oh. Just showing kind of how lost she was Just and like trap. Yeah. yeah, like what a what a great visual way to introduce her. Yeah, that was beautiful. Oh, so happy. About- but I I also- I, I, I got to Oh, go ahead. Sorry, cozy. Also, she had like this kind of breathy voice that I'm immediately I've always thought that is a 70s actress voice Mm -hmm. i don't know why like every actress in the 1970s had that voice of just kind of breathy sort of acting sort of not she also is um she's very pretty in a realistic way which is another like 70s trait for actors in general it's like everyone all the actors are handsome but kind of like i could probably see myself running into them yeah <laughs> and the same thing with the uh the actresses of yeah. that era it's oh, like definitely they're like, pretty but they're real yeah yeah they have an authenticity to them and i and the, i think yeah and i agree with you guys like i love the aesthetic of the movie i love like the, the you know the cinematography uh was done by adam hollander who was the same person who did the cinematography for midnight cowboy oh very, you can, yeah yeah you, can you feel can 100% it. feel that yeah. like yeah it's like that same vibe that same energy um, he was guaranteed Guaranteed pick for this movie oh, because of Midnight Cowboy. Had to yeah. be. Yeah. It's the same. It's from the same tree. Like, it's that same, like, yeah, yeah. same, same energy. Uh, but uh, I agree with both of you. I like this movie. It's interesting. This was like, um, it was slow. Though. I will say it was very slow. Uh, oh, yeah. And maybe it's like, you know, a testament to like my attention span. Sometimes <laughs> it was, you know, it's probably my fault. Like sometimes it was hard for me to like, I had to really make sure my phone was turned off when I was watching this. Mm. Uh, yeah, there so was I, points closer to like middle, like sort of middle yeah, section maybe. the middle kind of dragged a little, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's like what's happening now? Oh yeah, their life is getting shittier. Got it. Yeah, it gets a little episodic. <laughs> yeah, but but mm. once again, I think like for me, like the movie picks, really picks up once uh, Al Pacino like uh, almost ODs. Yeah, right. That That's like, one. oh my yeah, god, that, and that one line with the with the great. Uh, what is that actress's name? Marcia Marcia Jean Kurtz. Is that her? Yes. Yeah. Oh she my. she she's the um, the woman who wants them out of the room. Yes, <laughs> with, with yeah, the immortal uh, line. He's not know. puking on my foyer. Wait. <laughs> oh, I had a different immortal line for it. You know, I only got one towel. <laughs> uh, 
such a fucking beautiful oh, line. That's, oh, both so the, both of line. both of those are very depressing. It's so perfect. It's, she's oh. so good. She's and she'll. Yeah. She, she might be in our next movie. Uh, find out. But uh, I, but I mean, I think that that's like such a hallmark. I wish. Oh, I wish it was like. I wish there was still stuff like this in movies where like. 1970s movies that are set in New York, they're all like taking from the same like off Broadway group of actors. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and wow. they're all awesome. They all have great faces. They all have like superb training and they all know each other. So there's this comfort level with each mm-hmm. other. And oh, it's so like, I would tell you guys though, if a movie starts off with 1970s street scenes, from New York or Los Angeles. Oh yeah. I'm watching the movie all the way through. <laughs> like there is no question. Like I am just like, that is like, talk about a narcotic. I am just in <laughs> like yeah, when it comes like, of, yeah. Oh, I, I know how this is going to feel like even like a movie, like Nighthawks with still with Stallone oh, and um, Billy D Williams, kind of a Stallone cop. It's a New York cop movie. Mm. Kind of like, last dregs of french connection vibes but even then it's like stallone's got these great like outfits and they're running around new york i'm like man i love it i'm (laughs) in (laughs) and it better start like you know it has that like you know maybe it starts with like a jaunty piano like it's like it's like randy newman or leon russell or something like and yeah, they get the the marquees of all the porno theaters oh Oh, it's great (laughs) i mean a weird pregnant dog and speaking oh, yeah. of good transition, Patrick, we might as talk about the. Oh, I think the scene that was pre- there's a lot of drugs yeah. used, a lot of abuse toward humans mm. in this film. But I think very clearly the most harrowing scene in this film is the scene where, for some reason, they decide to buy a puppy. Oh well, of course they do. They have to trick themselves into hoping. Yeah, that they have a real like better life ahead of them somehow, they're, they're, or at least to have a vacation from their real life. So they take. I, I'm not sure where they travel to. They take a ferry somewhere. Um, they buy. <laughs> we're joking. The cutest puppy. Yeah. I, I, every puppy is probably the cutest puppy, but um, <laughs> this this puppy's so cute, so and adorable. she and Helen is so happy, mm-hmm. and they get on the ferry, and then Bobby's like. Why don't we get high? <laughs> and they go in the men's room and she leaves the dog. Oh, yeah. He's like, don't let the don't let the dog, dog in into the bathroom. The dog has to stay outside, but hold on to him anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's a reverse Baja Men scenario. I believe that's actually the line Al Pacino <laughs> says. Like, uh, hey, you got to do a reverse Baja Men while I'm in the restroom. please. Yeah. Let the dog in. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please let the please let please keep the dog out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. yeah. And um, yeah, I. I we won't we won't spoil it i I mean you can't have spoilers for a fucking 50 year old movie <laughs> yeah but um oh is this a no spoiler podcast no it doesn't no, it, no, does, it, it doesn't matter um <laughs> yeah, they get high they lose the dog and the dog <laughs> the dog runs off okay. the ferry into the water here's, and it's horrifying okay, here's my take okay you know what Please. maybe this is controversial that dog's dumb as hell <laughs> Dumbass! I was like, what? That's hilarious. Running towards you, dipshit. Oh yeah, my god, that, that was a real, oh. real sad. As soon as they got the dog, I was like, oh, it's destined for such a sad life. Oh, I was, I was like, yeah. this dog is like a metaphor for Helen. Like, 
he's she's uh. stuck with him and then i was like well no Helen, helen's kind of a metaphor for the drugs bobby's kind of a metaphor for drugs for helen everyone's a metaphor for drugs in this movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just it's it's just because they it's give you sad. like this second of hope like oh maybe bobby and helen and the second that dog runs <laughs> off the ferry you're like no this isn't gonna go well <laughs> I had at no all. hope. I was like, they're fucks. They've yeah. been fucks. Well, I, I was just like, hey, man, that dog was going to be, if that dog just ran off the damn boat, like, it was going to be a hassle. Like, that dog. <laughs> it was going to run into traffic in New York anyway. Yeah, that, that, That's that a fair dog, point. Yeah. That, dog, that dog is Patrick's fool of the week. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, sponsored sponsored by stamps.com. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> also, you, did you guys take a look at the poster for this no. film? On, uh, online, maybe, maybe has a terrific poster. It's just a picture of them holding each other. Oh yeah, that one and was it's very sweet. Bigger, bolder than the title of the movie. It just says, "God help Bobby and Helen." Yes. They're in Jesus. Love and Needle Park. This is how you design movie posters, yeah, my friends. Yeah. Like I, I would go like, what if the Avengers Endgame poster said, "God help the Avengers. They're dealing with Thanos." Just oh, like a, just just like a, a a grainy black and white photo of uh, Doctor Strange and TV <laughs> Groot. I feel like they're getting closer and closer to that with WandaVision though. They're like hearkening back to the older eras. That's uh, <laughs> true. Haven't watched Absolutely. it. Who knows? Pro- never haven't never. seen it. Probably also never have, will. <laughs> also have not seen it, but from everything I've heard, it's like I love Lucy and just like all these things where it's like, wow, you went through TV history. That's I've, kind yeah. of unusual. I've just heard a lot of people say, uh, it's man, you, you love it. It's like David Lynch. I'm like, I'm sure really? it's I'm sure it's just like Blue Velvet. Yeah. I don't yeah. doubt it for this a, people this say that, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's episode three is just an homage to Inland Empire. <laughs> Wearing the bunny hats. Wanda or whoever Wanda is is just like sucking down Pap's blue ribbon and torturing Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah, at some point, like Patrick Fishler or not Patrick Fishler. Who's the who's the? He's actor? the guy. He's the guy who sees the monster. He yeah, is the guy who sees the monster. Okay, good. I got it. Patrick yeah, you got Fishler it. Sees the monster. I yeah. got it. I know. I know my Patricks. Um, I but feel I should, like you gotta go should, a lot further away for a fucked up superhero movie. <laughs> yeah. I should mention though that uh, speaking of promotional materials, I mentioned this to Cozy before we jumped on uh, the cover of the DVD that I'm holding here. Ooh. The tagline is "In the dark corner of the city, they found light." <laughs> and I have to say, I disagree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no light. Yeah. The only light was the neon signs. Yeah. And speaking of which. Speaking of which, did you do you remember this? Right after she starts using, there's the scene where they're like eating in a restaurant at night, and out the window is a giant neon sign saying "drugs." No, oh. I could not stop laughing. It was so fucking uh, on the nose. It was Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> I was for, like, "What are you doing?" For a movie that does have quite a bit of nuance. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, like normally it was great, and then they just threw that in. And I was like, "Stop." Yeah. I will but, say that my my favorite restaurant moment was when they were eating with the uh, the brother Hank, yeah. uh, who's also great in this movie. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's like a burglar. He's uh, a burglar specific. Yeah. Oh, he's such a weird character. He's always so wearing a weird. suit. He's an odd man. The tooth thing. Oh. He's a he's a heroin addict in the book too. Interesting. Mm. Oh, Everyone sure. is. Yeah. Everyone is. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I love that he was uh, he was like they were at a diner and he was like in a suit smoking a cigarette and then he was drinking a carton of milk from a straw and it was <laughs> such a weird like just so much happening 
like three <laughs> worlds meeting at once weird cigarette milk from a straw business suit <laughs> another thing i really liked about this movie is that there was no music in it yes yeah, i that love rules. that because i hate intrusive music more than most things in in film i, I really really hate it. and i did read actually they they did do a musical score for yeah. this film and it got cut I at the that. at the last minute they decided it just didn't work which you're right cozy there should be more music free yeah. films and actually our next film only has an intro song yeah. and has no score beyond yeah, that there are yeah. so many similarities oh i wrote down a bunch of similarities i'm excited to get into those too um oh. yeah it was originally ned Rorum was set to compose the score for the film but it was decided in order to set the atmosphere no music um was to be used in the film but i guess on the uh, twilight time blu-ray you can watch it you, you not watch it but they have the score as uh, a special feature is it all yakety sax or what <laughs> yeah. yeah it's weird yeah it's i mean uh, <laughs> Is really out. It's an outside the box yeah. choice. It's actually the scene when the dog jumps off the boat. They do like and they rewind and reverse. Yeah, it gets very. Uh, it gets. It turns out the film's a comedy. He, 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 yeah, the dog jumps off the boat, and then a lady in a bikini runs after it, and then an old man runs after the lady. In a a guy in a gorilla suit. Oh, it no. causes like a. The dog jumps off the boat, and there happens to be like one of those water skiing troops. <laughs> It's going yeah. by and it causes them to all crash down. Oh my god! Oh, uh, it's very now funny. I'm watch, now I very would, funny. I'm so I'm so in. <laughs> it, it is interesting though in the um, book, like the story about Bobby and Helen is really like harrowing and very interesting in the book. Is but, it really um, heroin? Yeah, absolutely. Heroin, yeah. But um, <laughs> there's like a there's a prologue and an afterward where the uh, the author tries to like um, define what it means to have. A problem with heroin and kind of the psychological it, it is some of the most backwards outdated stuff oh, that, no. but it's also like 19 because this was written in the 60s the late 60s and um but it, it's like both like oh don't read this if you want to know anything about what's really happening with someone who's dealing with drug addiction yeah. um oh. but it is interesting as a historical work to see kind of what they thought in like 1968 of because course. the book is both um because the book is very like sympathetic and i think the film is very sympathetic mm. to the characters but um kind of the idea of like they once they once they get over their mental issues mm. they won't be interested in heroin anymore which it's kind of like a neurotic disorder rather than um a chemical know, addiction yeah a chemical addiction yeah. <laughs> right yeah oh wow you know, and it's very interesting kind of the best this was the idea and this guy wrote this book and he was like in it and considered someone who really like saw it firsthand and yet right. the information has been found to be pretty incorrect sure and like i'm sure it didn't mention it being more of like a class issue in various ways yeah it's no just, yeah and i and just kind of like the grip you know, I mean, I think the idea that, you know, when it like the term recovery and the term, you know, all that just wasn't it, it wasn't around. It was like you. And he also like mentions, too, he's like, well, the, you know, it's something you age out of. There are no old 
people. Wow, that's why he thinks that's the That's what he said. I was like, because they're dead. Yes, they're, they're, they're dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real simple answer. <laughs> they all just stopped their phase. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page for Panic of Needle Park, and apparently um, the other musician they for the original score, the other... Uh, composer they had was a uh, Danny Elfman and uh, they were going to use uh, it turns out he used the music he ended up using the music he had for Panic and Needle Park for uh, Men in Black Ooh, so, good uh, yeah, yeah. just imagine that, that, um, that similar films both buddy comedies yeah, yeah it's true and like and just like in Men in Black 3 or whatever the one I'm thinking of was they, they their lives went down a giant toilet mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah the second one which one was that in? I don't know. Oh, I didn't man. watch it. For they do go down a toilet in one of them. I remember. I remember. Yeah, that was, the, that was in the that was in the advertisement. That was in the trailer. That's why I didn't see it. Oh man. <laughs> but um, I should mention uh, before we move on that uh, no no Academy Award nominations for the Panic in Needle Park, mm-hmm. uh, but Kitty Wynn did win Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival, oh, and cool. we should also bring up that um, this this is talk about a callback fellas joan didion and john gregory dunn visited jim morrison lead singer of the doors during the recording of the album waiting for the sun and they thought he would be good for the part of bobby amazing which god bless al pacino this is an al pacino podcast but i would have loved it Mm. i I just just to have that on record him acting like i know that i was talking to someone a few years ago that um Glenn Danzig really, really wanted to play Wolverine in the X-Men Sure, movie. I get that. And I, I, <laughs> I was like, I would trade all of the goodwill that Hugh Jackman earned for one bad X-Men movie with <laughs> Danzig playing Wolverine. I would trade all of Hugh Jackman's X-Men roles just for that. In the same way that I think I would trade Al Pacino's very nice work in this film to see Jim Morrison do weird shit playing Bobby in a train wreck of a movie. But that's oh, just me. Yeah. I want, we- I, 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 my vote is always for weird. I mean, I just yeah, love the idea. I love, that. I love the idea of like Glenn Danzig just, just getting all the Hugh Jackman roles after like, you know, Glenn Danzig in the fountain. Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig Rob. is the greatest showman. Yes. <laughs> Get him in Footloose. <laughs> that would have been so wild. Like Glenn Danzig hosts the Oscars. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness oh, oh wow uh, i got I can't, I can't even i haven't I've, i think i've only heard one danzig i've only know i only know oh, I've oh. To Mis- i know misfits i know the misfits so I've, I've listened to a couple i guess because he's in the misfits but like i know all i know is mother like that's the one should i should i become a danzig head guys yeah you should I actually, I also don't really know much about him i just know that people have compared me to him based on hair alone Ooh. you know he's a he's a he's a neighbor of mine i i've heard i remember hearing yeah, that I I heard the, uh, we're very very thrilled about that maybe, uh, maybe I'm, we get him uh, on the uh, podcast oh, oh my yeah. god oh, that would be so awesome glenn <laughs> if you're listening glenn, glenn <laughs> get on the podcast i will tell you this my <laughs> friends would finally think i was a legitimate friend if i got dancing on the show <laughs> legitimate friend uh, i think you're a legitimate friend i already no, find you good, very good. legitimate no, it, it, no i know i'm just joking but i like oh dancing was when i worked at the record store dancing was the topic of conversation <laughs> all the time oh my god i have friends who you guys say you've only heard like one song i have friends who to this day listen to new 
Danzig records. Oh, like wow. choices. I've se- I've seen it. I saw him solo at Psycho Vegas a couple years ago, and I saw him with the Misfits. He's supposedly gonna headline this year's edition, and if I feel safe, I'll see the I'll see him again. <laughs> <laughs> I love Danzig. you to get a ride with him. Uh, oh, you're right. We could carpool. Danzig, yes. come on the show and then carpool with us. Yeah, we'll have you. We'll have you on for one of our like easy episodes. You'll just have to watch Jack and Jill. That's all. Yeah, come on to talk about Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh wow! But uh, yeah, so we should probably move on to our next <laughs> film here. Yeah, uh, that was the Panic in Dale Park. Our next film is from 1975. It is Dog Day Afternoon, directed by Sidney Lumet. Screenplay by Frank Pearson, uh, based upon the article "The Boys in the Bank." Mm. This film uh, was budgeted around three point five to three point eight million. Made fifty to fifty six million at the box office. Nineteen seventy five. That's a uh, Buku Dolores. The uh, this film was uh, obviously a big success. Pacino was uh, by this point he had already done the Godfather films. He was a much much bigger star. Uh, this uh, very, very well-received film nominated for multiple Academy Awards. It was nominated for six. Best Film Editing, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Chris Sarandon, Best Actor for Al Pacino, Best Director for Sidney Lament, and Best Picture. It won Best Original Screenplay. I don't know if you all had a chance to look what it was up against at the Academy Awards this year. But oh. it was uh, Barry Lyndon, Nashville, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. Uh, we're talking kind of heavy, heavy ass hitters of yeah, the 1970s. I was going to say, Jesus Christ, that's really Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, and that year, of course, Cuckoo's Nest became the second film to sweep all of the major categories. Ooh. It, wow. won, it won picture, director, actor, actress, and adapted screenplay. Uh, and it's freaking great. <laughs> like, let's, oh, don't it's get me wrong. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Uh, but uh, Dog Day, big success in its own right. Sidney Lumet at the peak of his powers. This is the second collaboration between Al and Sidney Lumet. They made Serpico a few years ago. We'll be covering Serpico in a few weeks. Uh you know, I know that this one was new to you guys. This is not an like I mentioned. This is this was not a new movie at all mm-hmm. to me. Uh, after I finished watching it this time around, I was like, I think I like it more than ever. Hmm. Uh, I think this movie is kind of my, I kind of like the ideal <laughs> of what I want to watch. <laughs> when i watch movies it's really intense it's really funny and then it's totally tragic <laughs> yeah, I, and yeah i i loved it even more this time around yeah i mean i think it's like what i love the most about this film personally is that uh it is never like it's comedic but it's never a comedy it's tragic but it's never a tragedy <laughs> Uh, it's very much like a they are just kind of showing you stuff as it happens yeah it's and, more like a, it's more like a movie than any than any specific type of movie oddly enough <laughs> yeah but it's not like yeah but it, it never it never feels like it's trying to get you to it's never trying to elicit specific emotions it feels like. i feel like some movies are like you know panic in needle park 
you know, when the dog goes off the yeah. boat, like they're trying to make you feel bad. Like oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to, and, you know, and not to say that that's not the wrong choice, but you can definitely, but there's like a, there's a motive. And I you feel like with, it, yeah. Yeah, with dog day afternoon, uh, it, it just seems like they're telling a story and that's, as it unfolds. Yeah, yeah. And that seems like the goal of the film to me. And I love I don't, that. I don't think it's a manipulative movie in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like for 1975, they really could have been, this could have been a far rougher experience oh, on some yes. of the themes. <laughs> and I think that they are for 1975, really honestly respectful yeah, of it all. And great. they never, and I know they've all said it. Their number one goal was to not make it a joke, hmm. which it could have been in 1975 times. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily one of the kind of marquee scenes of the film is the phone conversation oh between um, so Sonny and Leon oh, and uh, absolutely like thrilling piece of acting on both sides, both nominations, in my opinion, well-deserved. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh. And lament. Hey, there's a lot of great stories about how this scene was shot. Lament knew it was a huge deal to mm-hmm. do this scene. And so he shot it live with both actors they were on the phone with each other. They made sure it was going for real. And on Pacino's side, he actually built like a black curtain wall around where all of the crew was and even the camera. So basically the lens was just there. Hmm. So Pacino had no one in front of him except for Lament. He was the only one who was there. And uh, oh. so they did it once. And he saw that Al had like put everything into it. And Lamette goes, reload the camera right now. We're going right now. And he made Al go immediately again Mm. for the second take. He did not give him a break. And the second take is the one in the movie because he wanted him completely exhausted. So at the end of the scene where his head drops and he cries, that was because Lamette saw how well it was going. And he saw that Lamette was crying himself Mm. when it was going on. And Pacino was just beat buy it and it's just it just goes to show like man i wish i wish you saw more of these kind of scenes oh absolutely in just any you know and especially in modern films like the silence the emotion the reality of it and you know i guess we jump back to the beginning of the story like <laughs> pacino his character is trying so hard and kind of like, I mean, this might be one of your notes because he, he's a loser. Just like Bobby yeah. is. Oh, he he might call. He's not going to win. And he's tried so hard, but it's from the very beginning when he tries to get the gun out of the box and he can't. That was beautiful. Oh, oh man. the moment that happened, I was like, oh, we got physical comedy in this. Okay, yeah. keep yeah. going. Oh, and that fun fact, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, so there's like a third gunman initially. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bobby, I think, was the name of the character. And or Stevie. It was Stevie. Yeah. Stevie? Oh, yeah Stevie. Uh, Bobby in real life, Stevie in the movie. That's um, it. I saw the movie. Yeah, I saw the... Yeah. the, saw the, the, the oh, the... I saw the real life. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for it. It was yeah, pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Co- Cozy's like a Highlander. He's yeah. immortal. <laughs> uh, Cozy was uh, one of the tellers. Yeah. <laughs> Guess which one? Yeah. When, yeah. He, when, he was, when he wasn't Highlanding, he was a bank teller. Yep. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, 
that the actor I noticed he was like oh that's the kid from Jaws 2 uh, <laughs> I was like oh and I, and I looked up because it's like I've only seen him in Jaws 2 and so his name is Gary Springer and uh, his father was like a uh, a big like uh, Hollywood bigwig who represented uh, people like Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton. Oh wow! Lillian Gish, Larry Henry Fonda, Paul Newman. The list goes on and on. Montgomery Clift. Mm-hmm. But and and now Gary Springer. He only acted in a few movies, but then now he is uh, according to IMDb, he is an international press consultant for the Monaco-based International Emerging Film Talent Association. Has huge Ossidio energy. Oh. No. Wow. In, the fact that it's based in Monaco. Oh. Like, I was like, I want to, like, Gary Springer, what life are you living, my friend? Do you Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, you just never know where it's going to go. Um, um, yeah, my, uh, my, my actual things, my things that I had for, like, mo- movie things that were references that were in both movies, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up with about five things because I saw Needle Park first and then I, I didn't go straight into uh, that, uh, into this one. I just had to sleep for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, this one was second on the list. And I realized that this immediately started with boats, which Panic in Needle Park definitely had. And I was like, Pacino loves his boat movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I loved the, uh, the, the background music thing. No background music. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the Marsh Jean, Marsha Jean Kurtz in both movies, very yeah. awesome. Oh, Miriam so the Bank good. Teller. Um, the uh, the one had a dog in it, and the other's Dog Day Afternoon. Sounds like I'm reaching. Um, <laughs> there was a dog the, in the beginning. There's a dog in the. There's a very yeah. brought up pregnant dog. There is a big old pregnant dog in the beginning, the opening credits. So oh, nice. Two, two and, dog and, bill. And my last one, the one that I love the most, is that there's a star is born on the marquee, and the writers of Panic yeah. in Needle Park wrote that one, and the writer of Dog Day Afternoon directed it. But I guess the marquee one was for an older version of A Star Is Born. They didn't remake. <laughs> There's A Star Is Born for every generation. Yeah. It's really terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and there will be again. But I, I do what I do love in this film is um, like the little moments where like he's like says things like I know things or like, you know, he's like trying to prove that he's like got it together and he's like yes. not a loser basically yeah. he, he's such a smart loser though that's the thing that i loved about him he's like worrying but he's also smart he's kind of figuring out as he's going he is very fun to watch in that and he and he says lines like he's like i got this i got this i got this i'm trying to do it all at the same time <laughs> and i and you know and, and uh. he's he's so like but he also like after the first time he goes outside he's more confident too. yeah well of course because yeah. the audience fucking loved him and i have to say like <laughs> i know that that's like the famous scene that scene is incredible like oh. the, because the way dd allen cuts between him and charles durning yelling at each other mm. and then how it escalates it has so it has such chaotic energy you don't know what's going to happen and it's, yeah, yeah. I, it reminded me of uh, of being a comedy show host. I should <laughs> for people listening. I host way too many comedy shows, and th- at some point they were live. Um, and it was so fun to watch like this total power dynamic switch and see him go from anxiety to confidence. I was like, I've been there. Yeah, and it's it, the interesting thing too is like the Attica part is whatever it talks about, but when he's like screaming, you know it, man, you know it, and you're just like, <laughs> wow, this is so cool and so exciting. And Lament cuts to like the helicopter shot just at the right time to see mm. the crowd 
that he is playing to basically and it's just and apparently in real life they had hired all these extras but they didn't the street wasn't really all that shut down it was just a brooklyn street yeah so by a couple days in they went from about like 200 extras to about 1500 people and it just and it was getting like alive like that there was like real like energy happening and you know and pacino is just like it's just this like kind of what we were talking about his like live wire mm-hmm. anything could happen yeah. like the possibilities of him like you know we talked in the previous season about like the controlled very technical acting of Meryl Streep oh yeah and this is technical acting but it's like no this guy just seems like he's there screaming at these people <laughs> and oh, it's just like outfit, yeah yeah and it's I that. have to say, like, God bless Meryl Streep for fans. We did like, months of work. Oh, yeah. I will. This is. This is. This is so. Another level. Yeah. <laughs> this just is like what I want to watch. <laughs> well, and I think the yeah. thing, too, is, is um, not only is it just like you never know. You're always on your toes. You don't know. You don't expect what Pacino will do here or there. But I think what I love about these two first i'm so glad that we watched these two performances first because mm. i think this is like before like pacino goes full on like uh you know uh nicholas cage just brought up western kabuki as his acting style when he's in like a crazy a right. crazy film like i think al pacino has his own variation of western kabuki yeah right? it's not he's not in full hua yeah he's mode a, he, at he's, all he you get you get you get hints of it there are hints of hua but it's like it's like the perfect amount and but what I love more in this is like he plays his characters with such tender empathy. Yeah. Like it's so just like it really feels like Pacino grocks everyone in this movie. I'm such a fucking nerd. I like unironically said grok. Uh, good. I like, love it. Do it more. People you know, need to remember that that's a word. It's a good ass <laughs> word. You know, Highland, right. that's, that's like the probably the best thing Highland's ever done. Uh, there are but, uh, there are versions of grok that are like not good, and then there are versions that are good. Like you didn't say it like a weird crumpled hipster you said it like a human yeah I, what what does it refer to uh grokking is like uh it's like when you have like it's almost like a the what i've heard it as is to um i've heard it used it's like a deep empathy it's like having a profound empathy, like a connection to someone what's it's, it from uh stranger in a strange okay land. i've yeah, never read that it's basically just understanding something very well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, grokking something, grokking the language. Yeah. But yeah, I'd never I'd never read what it was from either. Definitely. Okay. I read like the first like I've never heard it. the term. Yeah. Oh I, nice. I, I, oh, interesting. Yeah, you're a grok boy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Brand you, new uh, grok boy. Brand, oh, new, gro- right, brand new grok boy. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, send us a tweet at the Academy if you're a uh, brand new uh grok person, a grok crocodile. If you're a crocodile, <laughs> yeah. then this is a damn tweet. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's what we should call our fans. Crocodiles. Crocodiles. We're doing it. We're doing it. Y'all are crocodiles now. Fans. We got fans. Yeah, right. Cook. Yeah. Turn those crocodiles up to 11. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Turn those crocodiles up to 11, folks. It's what we're I I think you're right because he, the energy is still there that he brings the hua parts later on. But this movie does have things like the telephone conversation with Leon and then also um, the uh, will scene. The will was yes. so fucking yeah. Both of those were my favorites out of everything that was happening all over the place. Just those were perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. and I know that Lamette, uh, when he was working on the script with Pearson, he basically said um, we could change 
we can move things around. We could do this. The will scene has to stay. Yes. Yeah. He was adamant. He's like, this is the uh, most emotional and kind of the key scene in the film. And I guess when they edited it, they got it down because the movie runs about 125 minutes right now. Uh, they got it down to about 110, 105. But it got to the will scene and Lamette basically said it didn't like build Mm. to get to that moment enough and he knew that was the most important moment in the film Mm. he's like had to go to the producers and tell them what he said he's like this is the thing producers want to hear the least (laughs) we need to make the movie longer (laughs) (laughs) we need to we need to add stuff back in to get the rhythm down on the movie and he he's 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 correct because i think the rhythm of this movie is outstanding the editing dd allen's editing legendary editor is absolutely terrific and the way it builds between the tense scenes the funny scenes just to the kind of the real quiet intimate scenes it just really does it all and i i gotta say like i want to get back to the attica scene real quick charles durning who i love great character actor new york guy as well uh he's he feeds off of pacino's energy Mm. and helps him amp it up and heighten yeah. as they go like the way he's screaming at the cops get back and he when he takes off his jacket oh, to show yeah. he's not wearing it and he like pats his big belly it's so and good. you're like it's so good it <laughs> uh, i i i genuinely miss him even though like the transition from uh the new york cops to the fbi mm-hmm. as being kind of the mm-hmm. people dealing with sonny and sal uh and james broderick being a ch- yeah, Matthew Broderick's dad, Fuck yeah. and the presence of Academy Academy legend and favorite Lance Hendrickson oh, yeah. as the other FBI agent Murphy. They're more sin. They are quieter and more sinister. Oh, completely. Oh, big time. Like they are. They they seem like Washington guys mm-hmm. to Charles Durning's very clear New York guy. Yeah, and they were so intrusive without talking. It was very yeah. interesting how they just pushed their energy forwards without saying a thing. Oh, God, I hate that. It's so sinister. Yeah, and all of the characters, apparently, big difference between 1971 Pacino and 1975 Pacino in terms of his power mm. on set. And so basically, um, when they bought this film, uh, bought the article that the film was based on, they're like, one thing that they did notice, and if you watch... We hope y'all did. We recommended it last week. The dog, the documentary about the real John Wadowitz, mm-hmm. which is a tremendous. It is a wild ride. Very, very sad film. Um, yeah, and it's actually very crazy just how much of uh, like how much of his story was in Dog Day After. It's like they toned down the story. For yeah. Dog Day After, which is wild. And <laughs> the, the fact that his life got otter yeah and more surreal yeah af- almost after the, the fact, events the of fact this. that he started calling himself the dog like yeah it's like it's, yeah. it's just it's just it's a lot yeah it's heavy, it's heavy and we yeah highly recommend it it's a really great doc so um but they did notice and you can see it um they have a slight resemblance the did young it? john wadowitz and the young al pacino Uh, 
I was going to show you guys my canned garlic, but then I decided not to. <laughs> saving, saving it for later. Going to save it That's for later. Such empathy shown. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a hero, if you will. Um, one th- one thing I did want to mention though is to as to as a lead in to talk about John Cazale is that yeah. Pacino did use a lot of his power to essentially recommend to the producers and Lamette all of the people he had met mm. on New York stages throughout his time and kind of he helped with the casting process basically and i think that starts first and foremost with his push to get john cassell the mm. part of sal because right. sal was written as like a um 22 year old well yeah. he's 18 he's 18 yeah, in 18. real life yeah yeah, yeah. young oh. young kid yeah and uh chuck is clearly not 18 yeah, he's Ooh, no, no. no. but he i is. was like i bought the war thing i was like yeah of course this guy was in the war yeah yeah. Another thing that hangs over this is, yeah, they are both Vietnam veterans. Right. Oh. And, uh, but uh, John Cazell, this, he brings, he is such a good actor. <laughs> and, um, he brings such empathy and sympathy. I, I know that, I mean, the, the part that sticks out to me, and I know it's the part that stuck out to Sidney Lumet too, is the Wyoming oh, moment, yeah. which is both really funny. And really beautiful and innocent. It just kind of mm. shows how Ian over there. He, if this guy's the muscle out of the two of them, <laughs> and that and he's that childlike, yes. It 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 reinforces how in over their heads they are by this point mm. in the film. Oh, yeah. And and the way they work together and their sympathy for even that opening where they're like looking around the pillars. Oh mm-hmm. man. It's, it's just so beautiful. And Cazelle, like at the end, when she's like, don't be afraid to get on the plane, Sal. Yeah, that was so yeah. good. That moment was so sweet. <laughs> and I, I, I did read too that apparently the woman who played Sylvia, uh, the head teller, mm-hmm. uh, I should get her Penelope name. Allen. Penelope, Penelope Allen. Allen. Great. Yeah. Oh, Tr- so terrific good. in the film. Oh, yeah. So um, oh, my God. The first take of kind of the scene where the FBI makes their move on, she didn't get out of the car. And Sydney mm. Lamette's like, why didn't you get out of the car? And she goes, I care about him. I wouldn't want to leave him. And he was like, wow. I mean, that makes sense in a way. <laughs> and he's like, how do we do that? And so he told the actress sitting next to her, she's like, she's not going to move. Mm. So shove her. Nice. As hard as you can. Let her hit the ground Mm. because that'll get a real reaction. Mm. And that's what they did because they do feel something for these two. Like as they get to know them. Oh, completely. No question. They, they completely understand the, the dynamic changes so much and it becomes so much uh, of an us versus them. Like mm-hmm. so fast, but that's because they're vulnerable from minute one. <laughs> yes. They're immediately vulnerable. <laughs> and also they're like, yeah. uh, they're also on top of that. They're empathetic towards them initially. Like they're so like accommodating and like, we'll let you, we'll figure out ways to use, you can use the restroom. Yeah. And, like get some food. Them. Yeah. Gotta yeah. get uh, Al Pacino uh, quoted his favorite part of the movie is the pizza guy. Oh, he ruled. Of pizza course. Ruled. He was so fun. <laughs> Oh my yes. god. Also, there was a an audience uh, person like in the crowd or whatever that gave the finger at one point and that ruled. There was just like oh, oh, nice. one guy getting the finger. I love that. Uh oh, great, but, great. 
but yeah, with uh, Bear's mentioning with the Penelope Allen thing, uh, I read that she and her husband took care of Pacino when he left home as a teenager to pursue acting. That's so correct. What? Her her husband was one of his mentors. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was Man. so it made me think about it so differently. I was like, oh, their relationship in it was so great because of that. Oh. Yeah, and all of them. I mean, that, and that scene where um, Sal says she shouldn't smoke. Yes, oh, I was right. that up. Great yeah. scene. Oh, Great yeah. scene. Yeah. Well, it shows that like it's like even though the character isn't like twenty two, clearly, like I feel like like just, like he has like that like that that like naivete. Like he his has, mentality and his maturity are that of a twenty two year old. Oh, big time. And it's yeah, so, completely. And, and he's so scared and like sad. I don't know. It's just, uh, I was the one thing with him that it may be a little controversial. I, I felt like he didn't get enough of a moment to open up and express his stuff. He didn't get like a, enough of a big defining moment. I yes. like that. He got like a bunch of scattered bits that really revealed who he was, but I felt sad that they like made him sit there with a gun for the whole movie and just ignored him. Cause mm-hmm. like, they were in it together and it felt like he was shoved into a corner the whole time. And I think though, there's an interesting aspect to that is that um, it's almost like he's an innocent though, who gets it like Sonny's um, mistakes are what causes Sal his life. Oh yeah. 100%. And Lamette knew at the end that we have to run he he ran the stretcher with Sal's body past Pacino. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. In the close-up mm. of Pacino. So it's so it's in Pacino's eye line. Yeah. That he's seeing it. Watch him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we don't get to know Sal, but that helps us almost because if Sal had more nuance or Sal had more like development, I wonder if we would have felt him as the innocent. I think it, I think that I, I just wanted a moment where we understood a little bit of like his innocent background, maybe mm-hmm. nothing, nothing to reveal any, nothing to change anything, but just a moment to like give him a monologue or something. I don't yeah. know. I just I wanted like, one like, for him. Yeah. Cause like even like the, the wife gets a monologue and she, Oh, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. So good. I, I, I almost like that. I think that one is almost on par. Like, so Chris Chris Sarandon is goat. Like he probably has the best monologue, non-Pacino so monologue in the movie. Yeah. But uh, Susie Peretz, hardcore mm-hmm. underrated. Not oh, yeah. the park. And Absolutely. he sh- he shot those back to back. By the way, wow. like oh, on the same perfect. day to yeah. get Pacino even more like worked up. Basically, How it should be. Oh, yeah. and it's so good because I love when he like like when Pacino snaps it feels so but then like she's like it's because I'm fat isn't it and Pacino's like no it's not because you're great how and it's like this character that's like the core of that character Mm. is like shit not going his way and then being like nah you're good man it's all good like I don't know like he's so like accommodating as a human being and um we should also mention his mother and the scene with his mother if we're talking about and I I read that um I guess Lamette told uh, Judith Melina, who played the mother, to go directly mm-hmm. off of the script mm-hmm. and never once react to what Al was saying. Of course. And then he told Al to, <laughs> to try and get her to shut up, basically. <laughs> and she's not listening to him at all during the scene. She's just saying what she wants to say. And, it's, and I read, too, that she apparently... Um, 
her and her uh, husband were the founders of like this legendary experimental theater troupe called the Living Theater. Oh, and so uh, they knew that she was a real legend in the New York theater scene that mm. Al would react really well to doing that scene opposite Ooh. of her because of that kind of real life um, status. Makes all the difference. It does. It's these, these little things. That's why Lamette is such a good director and just really gets it. It feels like the right time to mention the thing that blew me away the most when I was reading about this. And that was that the film's dialogue is mostly improvised, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me, but fucking awesome because we're a bunch of improvisers and we're like, oh, this is what you can do with improv. <laughs> You can yeah. fucking do a Leon conversation with improv. Well, it's I, Lament um, in his book, uh, highly recommended. It'll come up again. Uh, Making movies. One of the great uh, books, film books. He was adamant about three weeks of rehearsal. I think it's two to three weeks for all of his films. He rehearsed like it was a play. Hmm. He would get a space. And obviously the, the bank is almost a theater in its own right like the way it's set up and he basically like if you've ever done a play tape down the floor in a rehearsal space Mm. get all the actors together and they'd work it the structure what they were they needed to get was straight out of john pearson's very strong script but he wanted them to live Mm. it and so they built through it they built through improv al pacino is obviously an excellent improviser as a, mm. you know, and it's a big part of his kind of finding mm. the character too, because he wants to like find out how they react right. in just regular moments. But, and he got them all together in that space and really got them comfortable and made them a troop. And I think it, it really does. I think you're right, because it makes all the difference. Yeah, it's like a dream, you know, just even be able to get that time to like work it, work it out and work it in. Oh, mm-hmm. Amazing. I was. I heard this story. Um, everyone like rips into the director David Fincher for doing all the takes that he does, mm-hmm. but he does it into the schedule because he doesn't get the schedule to do the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "We're there. We have the time. <laughs> We've done the preparation. Why on earth wouldn't we take the time to do it a bunch?" Of course, if they're letting us, why race through it? Although Lamette on the flip side of that would do it beforehand. And he was like a two or three take guy. He, yeah, you know, I mean, this movie came in three weeks right? early. <laughs> this movie came in three weeks early. They, mm. it's incredible. The other interesting thing, uh, they shot in the fall mm-hmm. and apparently they had to cover up the fact they had like, you could see their breath. It was cold out. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. The, the guy with, with ice, chewing ice. Is that what yeah, they were doing? Or that's something? what they do. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, and you cool can see the behind the scenes like Pacino's wearing a parka <laughs> oh, when he's God. not not in takes and stuff like that. But it, it it's just it it's an aston I think it's an astonishing movie. Yeah. I will I will say the uh the only thing um that was like the only shock thing that was almost kind of shocking out of mm. all the stuff shocking stuff in this film was uh the fact that at one point the mom drops that uh uh that uh Al Pacino's character john like that he had had gone to the the 1964 barry goldwater mm-hmm. oh right yeah and I, and I was like 
I was just like, I was like, oh man, I wanted like one scene where he was like, hey, just because I've read Conscience of a Conservative doesn't mean I'm part of the John Birch Society. Well, he said, they say in the documentary that's in the doc too. That basically, and then his experiences in the war in Vietnam uh, changed all of that. Yeah, well, (laughs) then he became, yeah, well, he ended up joining like the gay activists. uh, uh, Which would have been a really interesting story. I, there's no time for it. Yeah, the, movie, exactly. the timeline of the movie is excellent that it's all in this one afternoon. Mm-hmm. But um, that is an interesting fact. It that... is like it is like the like the, the the fact like everyone should a hundred percent like watch this movie and then watch the dog because like there's uh, gay activist alliance is the name of the organization by the way G W A but uh, there is so much more story. And it's so wild. And the character himself is so much where I think like Al Pacino, and I think it's a good choice on his part. Al Pacino tones down. Yeah. Like, it's like he, he had like the, like the, the real life John like has a lot more bravado. Uh, uh, and he's very like uh, gregarious. And sometimes it's like, I feel like, I don't know if the relationship in the real, when the real bank heist happened is as, was as good between the bank tellers and the, uh, no, it does not seem like it was. Not, no from the way, documentary yeah. does not paint it that way. Although I will say read the PF, uh, Cluj, like the boys in the bank, like the, 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 the article, article yeah. yeah, the long form article this was based on. And, uh, that's slightly, that was kind of like the middle ground between all three of these pieces. I feel like that mm. one kind of like, but, uh, yeah, he just seems like an odd. At one point, he says he wanted to have a uh, dog day limo service where you would have a limo that like uh, played. And you'd have dog day afternoon constantly play, playing in the back, and then there would also be disco music. So that would have been a wild experience <laughs> it, being in that limo. It's, it was so weird what I felt when I was watching it because I I think I think this movie. Is, I mean, I've made it pretty clear. I think this movie is one of the great films, and I think Pacino's really really great in it. But mm-hmm. this idea that like. Yeah, Pacino came. He did, you know, six to eight weeks of work mm-hmm. telling this story, Lamette, all of them. And by 1976, they'd all moved on to another project. But if you, when you watch The Dog, you realize, like, there is no other project <laughs> for John Wadowitz. And it becomes, like, this, like, such a sad thing. It's so sad at the end of the yeah. film. Where he's, like, he's dying of cancer on screen. Mm standing out in front of the real bank trying to sign autographs and take pictures oh wow and you're just like okay for it was a job for all these other people and they did it with empathy yeah but it's also this guy's life this guy's entire life Hmm. and i get that's probably the trouble with doing like based on a true story kind of films like you jump in you play the part you leave but like yeah. john wadowitz is like i am stuck i'm the guy al pacino played yeah I'm the dog. <laughs> forever yeah. i'm the dog yeah. and how do you like i mean obviously he made a massive mistake by trying to rob this bank well i mean yeah and he had already and, made a lot of mistakes before that and good god yeah and, he, and he made mistakes he, he, he was a mess he was like yeah, yeah. He was a mess he wasn't he wasn't a great guy he was he was abusive to to the you know the woman he loved and things like that and he was cheating on you know the other you know the other well yeah in, in his so mind uh things I mean, going on but yeah yeah, yeah very specific point of view <laughs> that is <laughs> it, but it's it, yeah. 
you know, I mean, I think that's what's fascinating. And I think that's what I like about people is the fact that it's like, whoa, where are you coming from mm. with this? And I might not agree, but I'm like, I mean, I find it's like, wow. Like I feel, I do feel empathy for him. Sure. Too. And I feel like there is something very sad about, you know, like having this one thing and like, I don't know. It's just, it's very complicated. It goes far beyond just a really great film that they made in 1975 mm. is what I felt when I watched the documentary, at least. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know. I was moved by it. And both Jen and I, when we were watching, we're like, this is so sad. And the movie just captures like seven hours of this guy's 62 weird years. Mm. And, it's, and it's just, it, I, I do recommend it. It's just, it, it, that's the only thing that actually colors my opinion on the film. It has nothing to do with the quality of the film. It just has everything to do with, I guess, like the human reaction, like taking a story that you're just saying, oh, this is good. This might get us some awards play. We're going to make a nice piece of art. But it's really about this guy who lived kind of a sad, tragic life. And, and I, well, I think too is like it's. I think it's like a, a matter of like, like it's like one thing to make a story about like Lorenzo's oil, for example, right? Like the story of that guy. Like that's a person who could probably like kind of handle it. Uh, mm-hmm. John comes off as a person who, uh, yeah, number one, you know flawed dude and it is weird like you know because he brought up a great point where he is like this very flawed individual and like this movie if anything like paints him in a much nicer like paints a much nicer picture of how he was in real life than he yeah uh but then then on the other hand he's also like a dude who's been through a lot and like uh you know trauma begets trauma etc yeah it's like it doesn't excuse it but it it makes it more understandable makes it easier to to kind of pick apart how it happened uh, but then on top of that, too, I guess the point I was trying to make is, like, he's, like, I don't know. He's clearly, like, especially, like, by the end of his... He seems like a dude who maybe is not all the way there. Yeah. And so, like, sure. it's, like, it's like I guess, like, it's, like, uh, I don't know. It's, like, maybe, like, if you're making a movie about someone, make sure they're there. It's hard. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh. I, I see, like, as, you know, someone interested in telling stories, you hear this story, and you're, like, oh, that would be quite a film yeah if you 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 made it and it's quite a leading part for a great actor yeah and all of that and it is and it works it totally works but it's just like boy you just and just like watching that and just kind of the people around him and just who had to be in his orbit and kind of like yeah it's just it's just a lot but that's just, but that's just a lot. But that's why you make the documentary with it, you know, so yeah. you can really have a better understanding of like the scope yeah. of his life and who he actually was. That's the nice part about uh, showing the reality behind a moment, right? Is that you get to see that everything is tangled. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you, need, you also need to remember they changed everyone, oh, sure. but everyone but Sal's name, of course. And the guy, the the real Sal, quite different. From yeah. the John Cassell's care, uh, <laughs> uh, interpretation. Mm. So I think you have to see it as like, yes, it's inspired by true events, but they kind of took it and made the thing. I don't know. There's, we talked a little <laughs> bit about it with, uh, we've brought up the trial of the Chicago seven oh, a few yeah. times on the show and kind of taking a true story and kind of pushing it toward the version of the story you want to tell. Yes. And how you want to, 
the audience to feel. Of course. And I don't know. It's like it's a it's a it's a real gray area. The responsibility mm-hmm. there, because obviously life is not a movie. It doesn't work <laughs> in any sense it, in the beats that a movie takes. Right. People don't behave like movie characters. They kind of do, but not totally. Uh, not so me. It, I wake up every day and I act like Beetlejuice. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have that. I do remember. That. <laughs> but but yeah, I was. I was. I'm glad you guys um, both reacted positively to the movie. It was <laughs> after I watched it, I was like, oh, I love this so much. I don't necessarily want to go on and be told that I'm a, <laughs> that I'm a fool and like my tastes suck. Oh, no, um, it's like the movie. It's, it's hard, movie, right? It's, it's very hard to. It's hard to expose uh, the movies that we care the most about. It's very hard to like show movies make us feel seen and understood. And when people don't feel them the way that we feel them, we feel like those people don't see or understand us as well. I think you could say the same about music or, oh God, hey, yeah. you know, obviously, I mean, you know, I don't know about you, Cozy, but I, I was in middle school. We were pretty defined as our percent by what kind of music we listened to. I was like a weird exception where I kind of avoided being defined all the time and, and kind of wasn't in any particular clique. I just kind of knew everybody and didn't have any particular thing. I was just a guy who watched TV all the time <laughs> and like played video games, an indoor kid, and just sort of knew everybody and was kind of sort of funny or nice. But I was like, I don't know. I've loved music f- forever and I am. I listen to new stuff on a day, like a daily basis. I can't stop. I'm a weird music th- person who doesn't talk about it ever. And but I've never really played the part, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I've never worn any of the clothes that really go along with it, or like gone with the lifestyle. I don't drink. I don't like get high or whatever. But I love fucking love punk music and don't drink at all. And it's a weird combo. And yeah, I don't know. I just, when I was in middle school, I was so, it was, felt like such a badge of honor to get a rock t-shirt oh, and amazing. wear your band's name on your <laughs> chest and proudly say, you know, I'm into bad religion or <laughs> I'm into Sonic Youth or something like that. And even to this day, it's like, I, I still feel like I still buy concert t-shirts. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I, I still love them. Yeah, I think I've always been the type of person who. All right, so we had a brief technical difficulty, folks. But uh, cozy, uh, did you have? A, did you want to finish your thought on rock T-shirts? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to. Absolutely. Yeah, I was always the type of person who was more excited to like let people know about bands they'd never heard of before or things that were weird and new as opposed to showing sort of uh connection to something that everybody that's i don't know yeah it's a different kind of thing with me i was i was less about i was less i don't know there was never any appearance stuff for me in any way like i never dressed in any specific way i was always just kind of in my brain Mm. (laughs) yeah i guess yeah i never was big on like trying to introduce anyone to anything mm. it was it all just felt very personal yeah to me and i guess we're going in the same direction where it just is a personal feeling which yeah. is the way it should be oh, but yeah okay. like so like the t-shirt was kind of like 
I guess to say to myself, it's like, I identify with this. Totally. This feeling of like, and also like, I like, um, obviously you guys have seen my like DVD and Blu-ray collection and that kind of thing. Like mm. I like physical mementos Ooh, from same, experiences. Same, same. Yeah. And so like that concert t-shirt, like when I throw on, like, I don't know, I, I still have my Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Tour Wilco t-shirt. Uh, yeah, I love. I, when I was uh, when I was a kid, and until I would say, until after I moved out, I had every ticket from every concert that I ever went to. Mm-hmm. A lot of like signed tickets and unsigned ones, just sitting on a shelf in my bedroom, and I didn't throw them away until I had already, I think, until I graduated college, came back and like cleaned out my room, and I was like, I'm just gonna get rid of all these things that I that I had as mementos for such a long time but I kept it for so long yeah I don't know like even you it's weird my my gut reaction when you <laughs> just said that yeah was, was pain of course I was like I, I felt like oh I couldn't do that I, like I stuff has disappeared mm-hmm. but the conscious like I sold all of my cds to amoeba two years oh. ago oh yeah and I still actually, those I actually still have, weirdly enough. I still have all my CDs. <laughs> it was a really, um, it was a very emotional of experience course. because, you know, also it's like I brought in, like I had to borrow a hand truck from the store mm. to bring everything in because I was bringing in, I think I brought in like eight bankers boxes. Oh, wow. Amazing. And I got like $800 in store credit. Whoa. Um, but I also had to like, be in the store for two hours Mm. while they counted my stuff and the stuff that I had like put so much pride Mm. and so much effort into and when I got down there like they had like four or five of their buyers were around there like you must have worked at a place this is really (laughs) good stuff and I was like Mm. I did and I got it there in Seattle and I toted this shit down Mm. from Seattle and I don't know like Jen and I talk about that a lot because we're you know, getting ready for the baby and like mm. trying to make space. Right. And she does not have like kind of the sentimental bond mm. with the items that I do. And I just like, I don't know, like to me, like they like, I don't know. It's like the, um, you know, the Proust thing. Mm. Which the, one? The mat, the, the cookies. And he's like, this reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's the exact same thing. Like I'll see like a copy of a certain record or a certain DVD or a certain book, even I'd be like, mm. "Oh, I bought that for this class in college, and this was going on, and that kind of thing." And I I get really um, it's so it's very hard for me to part. Yeah, I think that that stuff. Those, that's what makes those moments so important. You and, know, that's why those are so why they have to be there. And there's so much power. Like I said before, in letting go of that fist, like unclenching the fist and letting go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say uh, three things. Uh, first thing, uh, they should you should have that would be a great movie, just like the two hour movie in real time Ooh. of like Don having to sell all this stuff. And, like, <laughs> you throw out some Proustian memories. I'd like amazing. I'd be a good That's short a good, film. Good, good pitch, Patrick. There I would love go. that. Uh, oh, yeah, number, or at uh, least as a framing device. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, um, kind of link latery. 
Yeah, Barry yes. Linklater. Oh, get mm. like a go back in time, get a young Matthew McConaughey to play Don. Oh, uh, what a dream! A Matthew Ooh. McDonough. Oh, Don, yeah, oh Don, there you go. Wow, it's all there. A Don McSanders. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, number two, uh, Don. So old when he was listening to Sonic Youth, I was playing <laughs> Sonic Adventure Two Ooh, for the game. That's good. I also uh, like Sonic Youth versus Sonic Old. <laughs> I, I I was already like j- jaded and like saying, "Oh, that's too mainstream. You should listen to Sonic Youth. Don't play Sonic the Hedgehog." Uh, don't yet. Yeah, don't don't uh, don't don't uh, don't uh, visit your Chow Garden. Listen to the music of Kim Gordon. Uh, oh, well done. Or so, I, maybe Soundgarden. Yeah, I thought you were going to Soundgarden. Uh, I, Soundgarden makes more sense. I was trying to bring it back to Sonic Youth. Trying to bring it back. No, it, beautiful. You, 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 what you did made sense. Cozy and I, I think we're going for the low-hanging fruit. The third thing is, uh, I. it's so crazy how disparate our childhoods are. Like, you two and me, I only <laughs> saw one concert my entire <laughs> high school. Whoa! And it was Aerosmith, and I went with my dad. That's oh. not bad. None of that is none of that is bad. That's not bad. It's just it's, it's wild. Just it's just a very yeah. different. Uh, oh no, too. I think I saw the Foo Fighters too. Just like the most like and all all <laughs> yeah. cool and all cool music I learned from my uncle who like listened when I when what I thought was cool. It turns out my uncle just loved butt rock. Oh yeah, no! My uncle, my uncple no. was a big oh, no. he was a big stone sour guy. Like, Whoa, loved, stone loved, sour. He loved oh, stone so... sour and like a stained. He was a huge stained. Oh, it's so funny. Even your definition of butt rock <laughs> is different than my definition because <laughs> I was like, oh, they were into like poison. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Or Days of the right, New. Exactly. My uncle loved Days of the New. But yeah, I guess glam, that is that that yeah rock, yeah. Sure. I guess that is more glam rock, and now butt rock is definitely like stained and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, but like it's so fun listening now to like Patrick's uh, taste in music is so fantastic and weird and great now, and it, mm-hmm. it's like you've it, you've bloomed from that so much. Oh, totally. I'm no longer the boy who was listening to who was afraid of White Zombie. I would listen to my <laughs> uncle showed me White Zombie, and I would listen to that one song when I was a kid. I would listen to it on like a CD, The Thunder Kiss '65. But then when it got right. to the part when the ladies were screaming, I had to like switch that and change the song. And look at <laughs> look look at you now. You're recording from your own replica Dragula. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Look at you now. You love women screaming. Yeah. I'm, a re- I'm a regular Robert Zombie. <laughs> yeah, you're digging through the ditches and burning through the witches. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. So, guys, oh, we should. Wait. Okay, go ahead, Cozy. I've, I've got, I've got one or two more things from this one that that didn't fit the tone of what we had going a minute ago. Okay. But I think that we figured out a new tone now. So I just want to say we got a young Carol Kane. Oh yeah. Oh was, yeah. I was like. One of these band tellers is putting out major Carol Kane vibes, and it was actually Carol Kane. I was so happy. She was like such a perfect like go- like Carol Kane in all in all forms is yes. like a kind of gothy human. Yeah, and ended up being such a fucking funny, great actress, and so it was just heartwarming to see young. Oh, Carol Kane. what a great bit performance! She only gets like two. Yeah, she only gets like uh, two, two lines, but uh, it's just a. Uh... It's so... It's all you need. Yeah, and, oh, God, like, the whole very, like, Penelope Allen, Marsha Jean, yeah. uh, Marcia, uh, Jean Kurtz, is that the... Yes, Marcia I believe Jean so, yeah. Yeah, uh, every one of the... Every, like, supporting character in this movie, like, almost more than Dog Day Afternoon. 
yeah well yeah i mean like that's the nice thing about dog day afternoon is like all these great care all these great characters and also i love that there was that bank teller who was like kind of on sal's side and was like oh, i don't yeah. want to hear salty language Oh, man. Like very religious and very stuff. So I was like, is this going to be a weird love story? I really hope not, but it's oh, God. that they're kind of connecting in that way. That would have been very peculiar. <laughs> it would have been kind of like, terrible. You're talking about it'd be weird if one of the bank tellers uh, yeah. uh, uh, fell in love with Sal. The one who was like very straight laced as well. <laughs> and like, I don't want to hear salty sailor talk. No, thank you. I'm going to go in the other room. <laughs> what a meet cute. Oh, oh yeah, completely. Oh, but yeah, uh, it was just so nice to see Carol Kane in there, um, yep. and also. Before we move on, that I found really interesting and kind of awesome is that the the guy that it was based on uh, was paid for the movie rights for his story and used some of that money to pay for his lover's gender confirmation surgery, which is the sweetest fucking thing ever. I loved hearing about that yeah he did and then then, then, then they uh did not get along <laughs> but, no, uh, well that's the thing is like i uh, don't i didn't want them to be together after that yeah i didn't yeah. want them to be anywhere near each other after that i just wanted for her to be happy away from him yeah chris, yeah, chris sarandon holy shit so tender so good. and like like so good it's like what a great and it's kind of a bummer that this was like his it's kind of like what happened to Brad Dourif the same year, where like he got the Oscar nomination, I believe, for, uh, Cuckoo's. for Cuckoo's Nest, and like uh, both of them, they mm. haven't gotten. They're both such. They're both such interesting, specific, talented actors. We're gonna ah! move on Sorry. finally <laughs> to the um to the decision <laughs> round. Cozy, you've listened to the show before. We are looking mm-hmm. at this strictly performance based. Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. We've got the Panic in Needle Park. Mm-hmm. And we have Dog Day Afternoon. We're going to get to our supporting player of the week after we make our decision Perfect. here. Yes. So, Patrick, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, you know what? None of this. Uh, I could be all flipsy and flopsy about it. I'm just going to be shoot shoot from the hip. Dog Day Afternoon with a bullet. Uh, Panic in, the Panic in Needle Park <laughs> is a nice. great film. It's an interesting film. I think it's like... A, it's a good like uh, I think it's uh, if you're someone who likes to study film and acting and you're like interested in like the process, <laughs> I think it's a great film for that because there's so much so many interesting acting choices made in this film and directing choices and it's like a it's like it's a fun curio, but for me it doesn't like go beyond like it's. There's obviously a lot of talent that goes into it, and uh, there's and Kitty's wins performances, uh, you know, par excellence, and it, and it's kind of fucked up that she never really like hit it big the same way that Pacino did. But uh, I just, for me, it just doesn't like have like the gravitas or the or the depth or the even like the level of empathy and like uh, just you feel for the characters and every character. And Dog Day Afternoon is so rich and textured. And whether it's um, Charles Durning with his untucked t-shirt flaunting his big ass belly or uh, Chris Sarandon's like just brutal phone call or John Cazale just looking like he's like, he just looks so sad and small. Like he looks like a wet chihuahua. He has such wet chihuahua energy. It's so depressing. 
uh, <laughs> but in a good way. And Al Pacino's like the he if he if uh, you know Al Pacino's just incredible. Like if you know, I was gonna try to compare him to a different type of dog, but I can't think of another. I guess he's I guess like Al Pacino if uh, John Cazale's a wet chihuahua, then Al Pacino's a dry chihuahua. Uh, so I, I mean, we we already hit Al Puccino, so you're all good. <laughs> that is true, Al Puccino, uh, Pucci uh, or Al Puccino, Al Puccino. Uh, so I give it uh, yeah, Dog Day Afternoon with a bullet. There we go. Um. I really thought uh, Panic in Needle Park was a strong film, a movie, uh, film I will not soon forget. I feel, though, that uh, Al Pacino is both a little green in the yeah. film on screen, and I also think, I frankly feel he's um, slightly miscast. And I would actually be willing to argue that John Cazale could have played the part in Panic in Needle Park mm, in a little God. bit more of a kind of correct to the tenor of the film. That would have slapped. On the flip side of that, Al Pacino is perfectly cast as Sonny in Dog Day Afternoon. And it takes, he is at kind of the, I know that he did many, many great films after Dog Day Afternoon and put in great performances. To me, this is kind of him, though, at the very peak of his powers and kind of utilizing the full spectrum of what he was capable of, both the incredible high energy, intense, screamy, like crescendo-y moments combined with some very, very soulful and sensitive moments. He is a giving co-star despite the fact he is clearly the star and lead of the film he gives everyone moments he's generous with them on screen he's fully engaged he's fully in character and gives you a character you'll at least for me i mean one of the indelible characters of the era in film and uh truly unforgettable character uh from the moment we meet him in the car waiting to going to the bank to the end where he's handcuffed watching kind of looking over the damage that he caused uh, in trying in service to do something, you know, in essence, pure and romantic. Uh, I, yeah, it's for me, it's despite panic being a nice film. uh, This is an obvious choice dog day afternoon. Uh, Cozy. Uh, let's see. So, uh, the way that I felt about, uh, Pacino's performance in Panic in Needle Park is that he had two settings and it was slick when things are going well and angry slash panicked when things are going bad. And he didn't really have many other ones for me. So it was kind of basic. Uh, and, and he didn't have as much to play with in that, that I was excited about. Uh, it, it was kind of like that movie, had moments of tension, it had dynamics, but uh, with Dog Day Afternoon, it was one big tense thing with dynamics that they had to find within it, which I kind of respected more. Um, and in the end, the, uh, the, the two phone calls and then the breakdown, like there was nothing in Needle Park that came anywhere close to that. So for me, 100% Dog Day Afternoon, like much better. Dog Day Afternoon, three zero. Uh, cozy on the previous episode, I predicted that um, Dog Day Afternoon would win 
the entire <laughs> tournament. So fair, I'm very fair. I'm, I'm happy that it won the first round. It is playing though, either the Godfather one or the Godfather part two in the next oh, round. So we will see what happens there, but dog day afternoon is the winner. Uh, and we should move on real quick here to our, so last season, our beloved segment, the Stanley Tucci supporting player of the week. Mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci is not Al Pacino's co-star like he is to Meryl Streep. Though. <laughs> yeah, they're not a lot of like, uh, kind of like <laughs> kindly. <laughs> he's he rarely he's not playing her supportive Al's supportive husband. Yeah, in any. <laughs> In any although, sense, although, although I do, I'd love to see it, I'd love oh, to man. see it. Although I do want to see, I would love a remake of The Devil Wears Prada with Al Pacino in the Meryl Streep. Oh, he would, he would, he would not only kill it, he would kill for it. Yes, <laughs> he the cerulean, you know. He uh, we could only, one could only dream. And there's that career comeback. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Just have him remake Devil Wears Prada. You can yeah. have like Jake Gyllenhaal play the end Pathway part. Could just be all dudes. <laughs> oh yes, man, that'd please. be like a weird, oh. a weird reverse gender. Uh, yeah, it's like the Ghostbusters reboot, but like a <laughs> Devil Wears, like a, a menace. And, uh, and all and all the Reddit dudes would just be just as upset. <laughs> Devil yeah. Wears Prada is with women. <laughs> <laughs> that. Was- Scenario we've oh, oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. I'd love, I love you it. love I would love to see it. Get Zack Snyder to direct damn. it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh no. Oh, God. Uh, I, man, I would watch that in you don't you don't have to ask me twice. Um <laughs> but this week this this season we're gonna change the name. Same segment, new name. Mm. Wow. Mm. Boy, we're rebranding. Um <laughs> it, I, it's pretty obvious. It's the John Cazale supporting player of the week. John Cazale, oh, yeah. not only is Sal in Dog Day Afternoon, we just sang his praises. He's also Fredo in Godfather mm-hmm. 1 and 2. Came up with Al Pacino. They did theater together before they joined in films. Close colleagues. Obviously, John Cazale brings us back to um, the one of the great loves of Meryl Streep's life. Mm-hmm. So John Cazale supporting player of the week. Patrick who are you giving it to? Ooh, who am I going to give? And you the- can you can give it to him. Oh. He's he is up for it. <laughs> who who am I going to give the Kaz to? Mm-hmm. The dang Kaz. Hmm. Hmm. So many choices. So little time. Uh. God, it could go to John Cazale himself. He's so good in it. Uh. It could go to Chris Sarandon. It could go to. You know what I'm gonna do? Oh man. Uh. I'm gonna give a duel. I'm gonna give a dual Kazal. He's already breaking the rules. I'm already breaking the rules. It's a split. It's a split. I'm splitting My the God. I'm, I'm splitting the Kaz in half. You know, you're gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm mailing half of the slime to each of them so they can get slimed uh, <laughs> when they win this award. As you should. Every every uh, Tooch winner has been slimed. As will the Kaz is. Um, I have to give it uh, to uh, both Charles Durning and. Oh my gosh, my brain just died. Oh no. Uh, not your brain, not we need w- that. Susie Peretz, there we go. Oh. I'm giving it to, giving it to Charles Durning and Susie Peretz. Those are go. my two. Um, they were just, um, they, I feel like they're like, Susie Peretz in particular, I feel like is unsung. I feel like it's mm-hmm. crazy that she's not like, because um, I feel like, like the big four 
the big four performances people talk about in this movie are obviously Al Pacino, Charles Durning, John Cazale, and uh, 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 Chris Sarandon. Like those yeah. are like the big four. Uh, you know, people could probably make an argument for James Broderick being involved in that, but I feel like he, <laughs> you know, his role is decidedly like so subtle. Like he doesn't get the uh, flash that mm -hmm. those others get. Yeah, but he and he's great with the lack of flash. Yeah. Like that's why that works. But it's uh, necessary. Yeah, but uh stronger yeah <laughs> and they're just both i think charles durning like the amount of like uh it's such a uh unflashy it's a flashy performance but it's such an un it's like he, he's such a beta in the, in the in the performance like he's a beta to like al pacino he's a beta to like uh uh to james broderick it's not a it's not a uh it's it's a he has to be very like weirdly uh vulnerable in his performance and it's so beautiful like i love it i love i just love seeing his big old belly flop around it rules <laughs> charles durning he, he wants to keep the peace oh he really time. does and he'll i mean he'll it's really sure to do it yeah he will take off his clothes it to rules. Do it. it slaps. And then Susie Peretz is just like, yeah, she's so sad and like vulnerable. And it was like, I, I still think my favorite part of the movie is like when she's like, is it because I'm fat? And Al Pacino just is like, no, 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 it's not that. And it just it shows like the, just like the raw, I love that. So uh, those two, Susie, Charles, uh, you'll get your slime. Uh, I, guess I guess I'll be on Charles Durning's tombstone. Uh, she, she, she's also has passed away. Oh, okay. Then, okay. Um, Looks like there's two graves. I'm going to slime. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get this man out of here. He's sliming oh, on the grave. That's I'm good. The, I'm the, okay, that's okay. By, that, by the way, that's my new, um, that's my new, uh, my new way subtitle. I'm, I'm the grave slimer. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I'm you, sound, you sound like a monster truck. <laughs> yeah, the grave slimer. Uh, so there you go. That's my two. Charles Durning and uh, uh, Suze. I keep forgetting her last name. It's so Peretz. Susie Peretz. Susie Peretz. Yeah. So, sorry, Susie. <laughs> I, I, so for mine, I, I obviously feel John Cazale. I think that this is one of, I actually think this is one of the great performances of the 70s as well. Mm -hmm. With Sal. Mm -hmm. what he does kind of the nuance he brings to it the sadness he brings to it the dopiness frankly yes that he oh, brings to it so good um and it's been talked about like we named the dang award after him yeah and kind of for this perform this and fredo i mean major league so i want to i want to give a highlight though to the performance that i didn't did i knew this movie really well dog day i did not know panic that well and mm. I was absolutely like blown away by Kitty Wynn's performance in oh. the Panic in Needle Park. She's ostensibly actually the lead of the movie, as we talked about. I just thought it was, I loved how quiet it was. I loved how sensitive it was. I loved how like finely tuned it was. Her changes, her changes in character, her change, her her slight physical moves to show the passage of time and the degradation mm. of the character that she's going through. I just think it's a really unsung performance, just in general. I'm happy that she won. And not, not that I believe that awards are like the be all. We joked about it like hours ago, I think. Yeah. But the awards are not the be all end all. They don't symbolize anything other than what people were feeling that year in those couple of months. Hmm. Uh, I am happy though that she was award she was given some recognition at the Cannes Film Festival for her acting in the film, and I just think it's 
it's a really beautiful performance. She's also in The Exorcist. She's in The Exorcist 2. Hmm. She's in a couple other things. I know that she basically um, was mostly here on stage throughout her career and also took some time away to raise children. Hmm. Both incredibly admirable things. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be a fucking movie star. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that to have this 50 years later, she's still with us. She's about 77 now. Uh, to look back and have this, it's like this one like diamond. It's a real beautiful thing. And I love this. I love this performance and I love her in it. So I'm giving to Kitty Wynn this week. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Cozy? Uh, let's see. I think my Kazale for this one is going to be definitely in his first movie role, Chris Sarandon. Mm. Uh, because I loved it all and I had to go back and rewatch after I like fully had processed and understood the situation. I watched the first time that, uh, that Chris was like pulled into the, uh, into that area and, uh, and what was going on and just like dealing with just the whole weight of it all was just so fun to watch and, uh, just very stirring. And then the phone call was just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All, um, all admirable performances. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what we're going to get is Al Pacino generally surrounds himself with um, really, really good fellow actors. You know, he, he appreciates the cra- and respects the craft without a doubt. all the difference. So that was the, this week, Dog Day Afternoon, taking it home. Let's uh, jump into this week's game. Yeah. Every, everyone's favorite segment. So this week's game is called The Recruit. And no, is not a reference to the 2003 Al Pacino film with Colin Farrell. No, what we're talking about is employment. Al Pacino is a great actor. We all agree. We just spent how many hours talking about this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe one, maybe one. Yeah. (laughs) Half an hour. (laughs) We all know he's a great actor. But, you know, what if Al Pacino had to re-enter the job market and he couldn't get a job as an actor anymore he's obviously a smart guy he's obviously you know a, you know personable guy what job is al pacino working if he's not an actor patrick would you like to go first yes uh i think uh i would love to see uh, al pacino is a professional streamer like a video <laughs> game streamer like uh he has a Twitch channel and like, uh, today we're going to be playing some Super Mario Maker. Going to make the little guy go. Uh, <laughs> uh, just like, I like the idea of him, like, uh, just saying a bunch of dumb video game shit. Like, I just got the needle, the needle of Master Chief's the needle. Like, <laughs> uh, man, my, uh, my Al Pacino is slowly turning into like Peter Griffin. Uh, you've got, um, <laughs> you probably have like two to three months to uh, workshop. Your Pacino impression. Oh, yeah. It's going to take some time. It's definitely because, like, I tried to do an Alan Rickman impression last night uh, when I was hanging out with uh, some people from the improv team. And uh, my Al Pacino, or not my Al Pacino, my Alan Rickman impression, because Adam Muscatel, he does a killer Alan Rickman. It is a perfect Alan Rickman impression. And it's the funniest thing in the world. And I tried to do it, and it eventually just evolved. It, my Alan Rickman impression was so bad that it turned into a Dennis Miller impression by the end of it. And it's like the War of 1812. 
Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like if, uh, what would happen if, uh, oh, no. if, uh, Brez, Brez, <laughs> if, if Brezhnev, uh, like, yeah. see, I can't even do it. My brain's broken. I'm a ruined man. This, this, this episode is I ruined. always think of uh, Alan Rickman's American accent in Die Hard when he's trying to <laughs> con John McClane. <laughs> gonna con you, babe. One of the, yeah, gonna con you, babe. <laughs> Just like uh, the Americans con the French in the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So uh, you see him as a Twitch streamer. I immediately, what pops in my head for some reason is weird high school janitor. Ooh, yes. Is I see him. <laughs> it's like, you gotta choose between the recycle <laughs> bin and the general garbage bin. It makes a difference. Oh my God. Have you ever seen, there's a TV show, a Canadian TV show that was on Netflix called Todd in the Book of Pure Evil and it's no. a really it's a bad it's not bad it's fun it's like a stupid it's a very stupid canadian kind of horror comedy show in the vein of like uh uh the one with tyler labine that was on a oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah you know what i'm talking about reaper yeah, it's like in the reaper, vein of yeah. reaper kind of just like you know high fantasy goofy but J- jason muse is like the one american in it and he plays like the the the, the nice. fun janitor he plays like he plays like what you're describing, the janitor. And so like, I, I just want Al Pacino in that role. It's like I'm the janitor that's gonna help these kids out of this demon pickle. Yeah, I keep <laughs> thinking of um Charlie Day on Sunny in Philadelphia, where he gets the job as the high school janitor and he tries to help the juggalo kid who's played by Richard Jewell. Oh my god. <laughs> uh Hauser, what a king. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, we've we've dying to have you on the show, Paul. I would. I saw. I saw at uh, <laughs> Philippe's. I saw no Coles at Coles. I saw Vin, Vince Vaughn and uh, Paul Walter Hauser eating together, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's Vince Vaughn." And I was the only one that was like, "Fuck, that's Paul Walter Hauser." That's the boy. I would have been like, "I don't know where to put my eyes." <laughs> yeah, I would have just. I just would have just uh, fucking nutted and died. Yeah. Oh I, no. I, in fact, I did. I'm a ghost. Oh, <laughs> And then Pacino would have been your Huge, <laughs> huge, huge Academy Academy twist. Patrick yeah. has been a ghost the whole this time. entire. Oh my God, it's six cents. It's a dang oh. six cents. Oh but yeah, I can picture Al Pacino like spending his first day at work at the high school just trying to select between two mops mm-hmm. and struggling with it. This mop is good, <laughs> but this mop. Is interesting, <laughs> but this mop tells me something about its soul. <laughs> this mop is crying to me that mops. it needs that it needs to be held. It's like seven mops. Yeah, and he mops. just and then, uh, ow, you gotta get to work at some point. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. kids are going crazy. There was a fight. There's blood, and he's like. It's a choice. It's an important choice. Uh, and it goes from there. And it just goes on and on and on. It's very dramatic. <laughs> I mean, that's I the it. thing that, like, regardless of what he might not be acting, but it's going to be dramatic. Uh, Cozy. Speaking, what, speaking of which, yeah, what are you I thinking? would say uh, professional wrestler, definitely. Uh, yes. 100%. Oh, you know, yes. a little, little bit short, but all muscle. Uh, <laughs> he's got that showmanship. We saw it in front of the crowd. Maybe he could be an organizer too. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of money in it, but hey, like he knows how to control a crowd. I I see him to go out to go off that. Like uh, I, I as I mentioned earlier, as a big professional wrestling fan, mm-hmm. um, 
manager a manager Ooh, of yeah. the professional wrestlers who's kind of the mouthy one who does the interviews yeah who you're just dying to see get decked <laughs> at some point but it kind of squeezes their way out of it until finally at like wrestlemania or SummerSlam, they get their comeuppance <laughs> i like I it that. yeah i, I like it i yeah I, I can see it it's like and at SummerSlam, <laughs> yeah, Roman reigns it's gonna take you down (laughs) oh my god yeah i like it it. i like it a lot so al if you're listening hopefully you are we you are you know you're listening a a few thoughts on what other things you'd be good at but hey don't give up on acting (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, cozy orland um what an epic episode (laughs) you know look peek behind the camera behind the scenes uh, we've had some technical difficulties it's throughout true. this episode, and we have we have pushed through. We've discovered a little bit more about ourselves. Hopefully, uh, our friendships have grown. Mm-hmm. I would say, and would with say the so. audience as well. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? I would though, love to on your way out. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I co- I'll make it quick. I co-host a film podcast with Luce Tomlin Brenner called You Need to See This. Each episode, one co-host tries to convince the other co-host and the audience that they need to see a specific film. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or on Anchor FM or Spotify. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my co-host also works at the Pasadena Videotech, which you guys have mentioned on this very podcast. Oh, I so love go it. there and rent yep. some VHSs. Second, I am in an improv group called Sweet Dolly Lama with these two gentlemen. We have a monthly variety show called Crash This Party. Uh, everybody else from this show uh, has uh, already uh, been on here, but none of them have plugged uh, the show. So I'm going to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm calling them all out. I'm a monster. Uh, yeah, monthly variety show, Crash This Party. Do a different theme of party every show. That's every second Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific, streaming live at twitch.tv slash sweet Dalai Lama. Third, Patrick and I run a show called Quarantine Date Night. Five oh. hilarious couples doing improv sets from home. That is every fourth Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific, streaming live at twitch.tv slash sweet Dalai Lama. Those are my plugs. Thank you. Truly the best curated uh, improv online Zoom comedy improv show. Just saying oh, that without any kind. like it's too yeah kind. without any like uh, no strings attached like it is like it's just very like we had like we had like the god Bill uh, Bill Chot on Bill Cott yeah Cot, Bill Cott amazing Cot, from Cot, Wizards yeah. of Waverly Place yeah. and also from the Dana Carvey show. Also, I think he was in the Ringer. <laughs> I love it. I, <laughs> I think love he it. was in the Ringer. Bringing it back. I'm back oh. full circle. Oh man! Okay. Uh, Is that it? Do we get it every? Do we get it all? I think we're just about there. We just have one more thing. You know, it's been a long episode. We've yeah. covered many, many topics. We've we've gone through the ringer, if yeah. you will. Oh man! Don't invite well my dad. Uh, Patrick, is there anyone you'd like to thank oh, for this have... epic episode? Oh God! I want to thank Ta- uh, old Grandpa Time himself uh, for giving <laughs> us the time to do this. I want to thank. Uh, uh, Marsha Jean Kurtz for being a double feature uh, person. You're in both these movies, homie. Uh, I want to thank uh, my my can of my canned garlic. <laughs> I want to thank my canned garlic that uh, yes. maybe I'll show it to you guys at the end. I want to yeah. thank uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Danny Elfman's score in Men in Black. Oh, that'd be great <laughs> in any movie. Put that in the Titanic. Put that in uh, you know Seven Seal. Just you know that while they're playing chess just have that in the background do, 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 do. uh and lastly i want to thank old 
I want to thank that dumb fucking dog. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> dumb idiot. Nice. Full, full of the week. Stamp.com. That, that dumb dog. Stamps.com's full of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to thank old ideas that have come back to life in new films. Mm-hmm. Much like the Goonies, never say die. Those <laughs> happen. Those are real. I gotta thank um, incorrect DVD cover taglines. <laughs> you think you're renting one thing? Guess what? You're getting something else. <laughs> I want to thank Elton John, who we didn't oh. bring up earlier, for a dynamic opening song to uh, Dog Day Afternoon that gets me in the mood. Oh, that'll that be the end. Day afternoon. That's the ending music for this show. Yeah, we gotta hear it. We gotta hear it. Oh yeah. I, I you know, I want to thank Rock T-shirts, bringing me back with a conversation cozy about the nostalgia going to shows in high school and how we maintain that <laughs> nostalgia. I also want to thank uh, Cozy's ticket stubs. <laughs> Uh, wherever they are wherever they are i hope they're bringing somebody else choice somewhere else i'm crying for you uh and i want to thank uh cozy and patrick for a wonderful epic emotional show Ooh, absolutely uh, thank you both for having me i want to do that yes i want to thank you both for having me and i want to also thank weird terrible al pacino puns <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you for those, Cozy. Absolutely. You've given us a wealth oh. of just funny, funny things to come. Um, <laughs> next week, we are covering Scent of a Woman versus Any Given Sunday. So, listeners, uh, I believe uh, Scent of a Woman is currently streaming for free on IMDb. Yeah. And Any Given Sunday is currently streaming on HBO Max. Obviously, you can also go to your finest local video store if you have those available and rent copies. Or if they're already in your collection, just pop them off the shelf. We will see you next week. This has been the Brave Slimer. Bye. Oh, God. <laughs> Down the front of your body, living like a lusty flower. Running through the grass for hours Rolling through the hay Whoa, Like a puppy child